coming to you from deep in the flyover states. We're bringing you ECW's Big Apple Blizzard Blast from 1996. This is the Golden Age of Grappling Podcast. And welcome to the show. This is the Golden Age of Grappling Podcast, episode 211. I'm DP. And I'm Tony G. DP this week for the people. Oh, really liked this one. We went back and watched us a super show. It's ECW. Here's a mouthful, folks. Big Apple Blizzard Blast. Aw. I'm sorry. What should I said? It's the Schmapple and the Big Apple. I, I don't know why uh, I start. I, I lost the name of the title of it, and so I entitled that my my notes, and it's been that in my mind ever since. But yes, it is the Blizzard Blast. Yes, the Big Apple Blizzard Blast ECW from February third, nineteen ninety six. Uh, man, I'm so it's so it's such a coincidence that we just reviewed a Super Show. The network just added ten more. Oh shit! <laughs> including stuff from like ninety three and ninety four. So well, goddamn. Uh, All right. It, Get some Terry cool. Funk in here. It's cool when you go back because you hear a lot about what ECW was and all these documentaries and these videos. And then you go kind of watch the pay-per-views and some of the TV and it's like, yeah, it's pretty good. It's when you go back and watch these super shows, especially when you get to about 95, 96, when they're really kind of heating up, you know, moving yeah. towards the first pay-per-view, where this is the ECW, like everybody talked to you about, but that, you know, wasn't as accessible and easy to see. You know, when... You know, I thought the lesbian kiss was going to be on this show between Kimona and Beulah. Like, that kind of... I mean, it's just... All those, like, moments in their video packages and yeah. their intros and stuff is all from these years. You know, That's the true. pre-pay-per-view ECW, when a lot of... When they were just doing whatever the hell they wanted and just <laughs> were dealing with bloodthirsty fans. I mean, it is it is very interesting. Like, this is one of the more interesting times to watch ECW, I feel like. But... I will say, just judging off of your coming in and your energy so far, I feel like we have had slightly oh. different experiences in our viewing of ECW <laughs> this time. <laughs> oh, no. Well, that might be the case. I mean, the, anyway, we have a lot to talk about. Yes, we do have a lot to talk about. The reason we do have a lot to talk about is because this is a wrestling review podcast. Each week, Tony and I get together. We discuss a wrestling event that we agreed to watch the previous week. It's like the Oprah's Book Club, but for wrestling nerds. For any and all information about the show, links to Twitter and Facebook and Apple Podcasts and all that shit, goldenagepodcast.com is the website you want to be heading to. And if you'd like to express yourself a little longer, you can send us an email, goldenagegrappling at gmail.com. Yes, please engage, do the, you know, whatever one you like. Obviously, you don't need to do all of them unless you want to. We wouldn't say no. Um, but yeah, lots to unravel this week uh, with the Super Show. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a it was a big weekend as well this past Sunday. So, <laughs> yes. So before we can dive back to a cold time in America in the mid '90s, let's take a look at a cold time in America in the 2020s with a taste of the Sid Vicious dishes. I don't know if it was cold in Portland. Yeah, with that board, with this look on my face, it was something that was given to me because of people like you. See, he's going to stereotype me. It's the big dumb guy. Like, 
all the st- skeptics and all the people have a little bit of... Let me do this again. Oh, it's live, Hal. Sorry. All right, Tony, we're live. What's going on this week that you wanted to talk about? DP, DP live on the WWE Network this past Sunday. It was TakeOver Portland. Yeah. The C-Cho has moved into the Sunday time slot, which I hated, <laughs> by the way. I, I would have much I, preferred a Saturday show. I, I wish wrestling pay-per-views were always on Saturdays, actually, regardless of what the promotion is. But anyway, that aside, uh, TakeOver Portland... You know, listen, this happens every time. We just gush and, you know, lose our shit over these takeover shows. But, man, I got to say, this one, <laughs> from top to bottom, was, I mean, it's maybe really the best. good. I mean, just, there may have been better matches on other takeovers, you know, and maybe a couple of matches that were better on some other, but this was, a, there, there weren't any holes in this show. You know, this was yeah. solid stuff across the board. Um, I mean... That I will say, like I I liked everything, but right. I, but judging from like the way that I've seen it described online afterwards, people really liked that Gargano and Finn Balor match, and I just was like I it I didn't hit me. I don't know. I need might need to watch it again yeah. or something because I maybe I was just too into the earlier matches and the later matches. Right. It just hit me in the middle of like kind of not being into anything right at that point. Maybe if they would put anything there, I wouldn't have been into it, but. Man, I just I felt like everyone was like, "Holy shit, this is the match of the show." And I was like, "I did not feel that way." But go ahead. Well, I would probably that would be possibly, you know, one of my favorite matches of the year so far. Damn, nice. I, so I need to go watch it again. I need to watch it again then. <laughs> Give it another <laughs> yeah, shot. But I mean, again, that's just my opinion. I'm not trying to tell you what you should think. No, but you were starting out with the top to the bottom thing. So I'll let you walk us right. through this here. Well, go ahead. Again, we're not we're not going to go into real d- deep detail, but man. Yeah. Again, the North American Championship, Keith Lee and Dominic Dijakovic, those guys went out there and put on an absolute clinic. I really just enjoyed it. Big Hoss fight, <laughs> flying off the top ropes, just killing each other, man. Like, awesome stuff here. Um, I, I, I think also a nice ending to a rivalry between these two that goes back to the independent circuit. So, See, I didn't realize that it had gone back that far, but I did know that they've had you know multiple matches here well, in this P- company. Yeah, well, PWG was where they had one of their big, like, kind of memorable ones. I think there was a third person in the match as well, like a brand cage or something. I can't remember. Okay. But anyway, nice match here. Keith Lee is going to be a huge star. It's just a matter of time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, fun stuff. A street fight He's- that was way better than I anticipated it would be. I really got to give it up. These two went out there. You can. I know Tegan Knox was an Attitude Era fan because Kane's like her favorite wrestler or whatever. <laughs> Dakota Kai was also a big fan of watching the plunder matches because this was in a good way. It was like hardcore title era wrestling, kind of a little bit yeah. at times. You know what I mean? At times, I'm just I'm not trying to like diminish it and say like take anything away from it. I mean that in like as positive a way as I possibly can. You know, like it was a fun, just kind of smashing each other with weapons beat him up you know i Definitely. I, I liked it I, it was it was it was uh it was a fun match and the tables were not pre-scored apparently because well or are we just again dealing with 100 pound women that <laughs> if they don't hit things just right like it just might not break oh, you know that that was brutal man that fucking table shot at the well end. that was a bad yeah that, that's the other thing i was gonna say again a great match and they do this so rarely and i didn't like this and i don't want this kind of stuff to become because they did it again in the main event but raquel gonzalez Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you watch the Mayan Classic, she's been around occasionally. Um, great, you know, good, good, you know, I'm sure she's very talented. Mm-hmm. But she pushed Knox, Tegan Knox, off the top rope through a table, well, onto a the corner of a table that then <laughs> flipped, flipped over. over. Um, I think that probably had more to do with Raquel not 
probably doing her business exactly okay. how she should have done. I don't know. I'm not trying to, I'm just saying. I think Tegan maybe would have broken it if she'd hit it, you know, square. Um, but yeah, it was a disappointing ending. Obviously, I mean, good for these girls, though, that maybe this is a feud that they can carry on and maybe even do like a big blow off WrestleMania weekend, which would be a big deal. So, yeah. Yeah. Good stuff, though. I liked it. Um, Rhea Ripley beat Bianca Belair. Uh, we had a Charlotte beatdown of Rhea afterwards. I kind of thought this, I will, I, you know, this was one I thought would go either way because there's just been a real strong current for Bianca Belair in the mm-hmm. last three weeks or so. Not that there hasn't always been, but I mean, people like this, this is going to be a triple threat match. Yeah. You know, maybe Belair will even beat her for the belt. And now you two <laughs> are going to have to ask me if I want to fight you at wrestling. You know, like, I mean, mm-hmm. there's just, there was some potential there for a few different ways to go about it. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I think Belair will also maybe, you know, by the end of 2020, you know, be a top, performer on the main show i don't know if it'll i don't know if they'll quite pull the trigger with that this year or not so we'll see that'd be cool i mean i yeah i I, it definitely felt like it was one of those things where there was there was a desire from people online for it maybe but Mm -hmm. it just wasn't in the plans (laughs) right well yeah you always have to take you know social media with a grain of salt you know what i mean like it feels sometimes like everyone in the world you know (laughs) wants this to happen but you know they sometimes they know better um, Broser Waits getting the tie- tag team titles, beating Fish and O'Reilly. This is my match again, of the night. Wow. Again, just another awesome match. Matt Riddle and Pete Dunn, but man, Matt Riddle is going to be the guy very <laughs> soon. Like, Matt Riddle and Keith Lee are two. Like, I just, I don't know how long they are for NXT because I just yeah. think that they are both huge stars already. Did you see the Randy Orton tweet mm-hmm. when he was like, I first I hated you, now I get it. You know, fuck off or something yeah. like that. <laughs> like, man, I love salty Randy. He's, you know, it's just like that's probably about as nice as he gets, though. Like, that was probably like that. You Seems know, to be the case, especially online anymore. Right, that's the compliment, actually. Um, yeah, in the main event, Tommaso Ciampa, you know, trying to get Goldie back, fighting Adam Cole of the Undisputed Era. You know, they kind of smazed this, which again just isn't as NXT, very NXT. You know what I mean? Again, yeah. in a great match, but up until the last, you know, two minutes or so. <laughs> You know, yeah. They just don't usually have the interference stuff as much, especially that's been one thing about Cole, even though he's had the Undisputed Era with him. He's not usually, they're usually not at ringside and they don't, you know, yeah. a lot of times at least at the takeovers have an impact on the finish. So Definitely. No, you're not wrong there. I thought that, you know, it was, it was good stuff. Um, I didn't find anything upsetting about it, but it seems like mm-hmm. the rest of the world has. Well, and Gargano, we guys, we can't bury the lead here, is Turned on Champa again. Yes. Champa, Champa. I've heard everybody say it both ways. Um, yeah, he would, you know, prevent him from using the belt and uh, Cole would pick up the win. You know, so it looks like we're going to probably get a Gargano Champa. Probably blow off. Again, you know, probably they wrap this thing up. You know, they never really got the chance to yeah. um, initially. And, you know, Mania weekend seems like a good time as any to do it. So I'm definitely kind of looking forward to that. But yeah. The slight, the controversy, if you want to say the people, there's, <laughs> it seems like it's everywhere today. Like I've seen so many people commenting it, it, on it and then commenting yeah. on the comments on it. It's what's so upsetting sometimes about wrestling fans. Like I'm not one of those guys that shames wrestling fans. Like you're allowed to have your opinions and stuff, but man, we've gotten our ice cream and now we want more or we want it to be, <laughs> we want it to be better than it's ever been. And takeovers, I think I've maybe hit that MCU level of almost a crescendo where it's kind of like, They've gotten so popular and there's so much praise and everyone loves them so much that now there just has to be the counterpoint. Like they, yeah. they 
this thing cannot exist now without there being those that are going to have to try and defeat it because that's what we well, do when things reach a certain level of popularity, you know, and the expectations and, get so high. And when you've got a product that it consists of, you know, two to three to four people in a ring, you know, yeah. making physical contact over and over again, like there's only so many variations you can really have. So like when you've got this many shows in a row as well, trying to be so great, of course there's going to be some patterns. There's going to be some, you know, redundancies there, but at the same time, like, do you get into the matches when you're watching them? If you're not, then okay, fine. Criticize it if you want. But it's like, I still get into these matches when I'm watching them. They still pull me in. We're kind of burying it a little bit. I guess we should say there's been some backlash, some pushback on, you know, the amount of kickouts there are in a lot of these matches, how the number of false finishes and how it's, you know, yeah, maybe, it's, you know, but you know what? Here's the thing. This is the same shit. People. They've also, what? I saw that. And then also the other uh, thing that I was seeing, the critique that was being leveled was that uh, because NXT has figured out the pattern to great matchness and everything feels the same because it's all doing the same pattern for that great match. Right, man. I really hate that these shows just have all these great matches. Like, <laughs> and they just give us a little bit less great. Um, so, yeah, again, I mean, whatever. And New Japan catches this as well. You know, yeah. people say the same stuff about Okada and Omega yeah. matches. And, uh, again, I, I don't know. It. I like the ups and downs. I like the false finishes. I like the near falls. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. what do I know? I know there's a lot of people that do don't care for that. The critique of, of maybe we should let guys win with secondary moves every once in a while isn't – you know, unfounded. That'd be great. It would be nice but to have that. But yeah. at the same time, it's hard to yeah. start building that because otherwise you shit on it every time that they try to do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, Okada wins with a drop kick. Is everybody going to be like, no, that was a, that was a good finish. That was a good finish. I have no problem with that. No, they'd be like, how could he win without using the Rainmaker? This is ridiculous. Not, not a drop kick, but you know what I mean. Like a signature move. What is, this is fun. What is Okada's <laughs> secondary move besides a drop oh, kick? It's the fucking red ink. The fucking submission oh, move. The move that he hadn't done in forever they even said on commentary. You just remember that name because it's catchy. <laughs> No, he's one of the worst ones. Like you got to think about like guys like fucking Hiroki Goto. Like oh, Goto know, right. should win with some of those earlier versions of his his fucking GTR thing. Right. Yeah, how many different ways can I drop you on your neck? So yeah, but anyway, I you know take over Portland. Good stuff. Can't wait to Definitely. see what they do at WrestleMania weekend. And I think, like you were saying, we get so much good right now that people just have to find things to go negative about, and everyone just like jumped on the tidal wave of too many kickouts this week. Right. Yeah. Everybody's going on about it. All let's right. just enjoy it. So that brings us to our time travel portion of our show. So let's take your brain back to February of 1996. And to get there, I've got four things for you. Four. The four things time capsule. Tony, I don't know if you could guess this by the title of the show we're reviewing, but on January 8th, a massive blizzard buried the eastern United States with four feet of snow in some places, causing $3 billion in damage and killing 50 people during the time. Good God. God. That is (laughs) so... It's awful, man. That's a hell of a blizzard. Like, that is... Yeah. I, I... you don't hear about those very often. You know, I know that I have saying- pictures of me as a child one year when like we got good snow off of like the edge of something like that, but I don't know if it was oh, okay. specifically this one or not. Um, but yeah, I'm that's saying, a lot of. I'm not saying snow. places don't get blizzard-like weather, you know. But obviously, when it hits a, a metropolitan area like New York City, it 
mm-hmm. can create major problems. Yeah, so. four feet of snow, or I think it was like West Virginia had a four foot area. Oof. Um, number two in oh, also in tech, I just wanted to mention in January twenty third, the first version of Java programming language was released, and that's about to be at least Chrome keeps telling me canceled here coming up very shortly. <laughs> Making threats. <laughs> Number two in sports. On January 18th, the NHL approved the sale and moving of the Winnipeg Jets to Phoenix, Arizona. Tony, let's take hockey to the desert. <sighs> and we're going to take it away from Winnipeg. <laughs> yes. They North also took Jericho. the North Stars from Minnesota and moved them to Dallas. They, you know, the, <laughs> the NHL just had this affinity with the West for whatever reason, I guess, at this yeah. time. like. You know what? Let's all those areas that love hockey and it's like a big deal for them. Yeah, we're gonna take it from those cities and we're gonna move it to places <laughs> that have never probably even watched hockey. And we're gonna see how this goes. And in perfect timing, as far as talking about teams moving, coming up three days after our show would would happen, the NFL would allow the Cleveland Browns to move to Baltimore. Thanks, guys. Bad decisions all around. Number three, looking at films releasing in American cinemas leading into tonight's event. Tony, this is kind of a big one for me. I don't know. I feel like I've seen like all these movies. 96, that's a prime year for us. January 12th, 1996, would be see the release of Biodome making $13 million. Nice. Yep. That's some, you know, listen, you either like Polly Shore or you don't like, or you hate this, Polly Shore. You know what I mean? And this, this movie would certainly challenge you on that. Uh, yeah. Being like a, a nine year old, I would not have seen Biodome at this point, right. but I did see it later on. Uh, Dunstan checks in would be the movie that I would have seen this weekend that released. Ooh, man, <laughs> you can talk about Dunstan checks in that, that movie. Yeah. That's one of those that, especially on VHS after the fact, like, yeah, watch sure everywhere. Dozens of times, probably. <laughs> Jason Alexander's not a bad dad. Uh, right. Don't be a menace while dragging your juice in South Central or something like that to the hood. Yep. Um, $19 million would make that weekend as well. That's a solid one. Again, you know, I didn't obviously enjoy it as a 10-year-old, but yeah. um, years, years after that, I discovered that film. Yeah, another solid one. And a movie that I've only recently heard even existed because someone made a mention of it on how did this get made, and I hope that they review it soon. Lawnmower Man 2 Beyond Cyberspace would release. Man, listen, I can tell you right now, if you're interested, you can find already plenty of YouTube content of people <laughs> discussing <laughs> the creation of that movie. I'm All it's. Right. I'm pretty sure the Minty com- com- Comedic Arts guy has done like 10 things he didn't know about it. I'm not sure if he did nice. the sequel or not. I can't remember. But anyway, like it's a, it's one of those like great concepts, you mm-hmm. know, like it, it did it, but you know, it came, this was like pre matrix. So like they were trying some pretty like outrageous, you know, things as far as like uh CGI goes. Yeah. Uh, but they also just completely like <laughs> post the pre matrix. There's just this like middle ground yeah. of like terrible. Right. <laughs> right. Like, like, yeah. Between Jurassic park and matrix, there was this people trying too hard to push the medium. <laughs> and in fact, you know, making their movies look ridiculous, like spawn, you know, or yes. this one. Um, yeah. So anyways, on January 19th, a movie that I know Tony likes a lot uh, from Dusk Till Dawn would release. Man. Nine-year-old that... Tony loved, loved or ten-year-old Tony. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah now, uh, probably maybe at least three or four years later before I would have probably checked this one out. Uh, I just, it's one, of the, it's one of the greatest swerves in cinema history. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, Definitely. Like, Shyamalan has his, like, big twist endings. But like, there aren't many movies that 
in like the middle of it, it becomes something completely different. And <laughs> everything yeah. that they've basically developed and set up over the course of the first 45 minutes doesn't matter anymore because it's <laughs> survival, you know? Yeah. So. No, you're not wrong. I, I really enjoy that movie a lot. And the Sama Hayek scene before everything takes a turn is hypnotic. All right. Uh, January 26th, a movie that I do not think I've ever seen. And I always think of the, the cover of American Beauty when I think of this. And uh, no, 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 it's not. Uh, Bed of Roses would release. Hmm, that doesn't ring a bell. Don't remember that one. Uh, February 2nd, the day before our show, uh, Black Sheep would release. Shit. Making $32 million. Dollars. <laughs> More oh, yeah, money than it. any other movie we've mentioned so far. Black Sheep. Damn good stuff. It's not Tommy Boy, but it's good. I, I really enjoy it. I love the the entirety of the uh, cabin scenes. Uh, oh, yeah. The Juror would release that same weekend, making $22 million, and then White Squall. <laughs> That's one of those, like, is that a Disney movie? I just I feel like I remember be. being forced to watch it at some point and maybe not be really caring for it. All right, so now taking a look at the mo- world of music, number four. Um, number one on the charts in the Billboard Hot 100, the usual charts that we go to, was Boys to Men and Mariah Carey with, like, One Sweet Day, which I'm almost guaranteed that we've played maybe twice on this show. Um, at least twice. And so I thought, well, let's look at number two. Well, we've already played that one as well. It's like uh, the Shoop Shoop song. Um, Tony. <laughs> Yeah, that's what you it's called. suggested going to the world of alternative rock. And so we Googled that. And the first thing that showed up was the Canadian charts. We have nothing to do with Canada on tonight's show. But we uh. thought that we would go ahead and just go ahead and play it. Because number one on the Canadian alternative rock charts at the time of this show was Green Day's Brain Stew. <laughs> Dustin Rhodes is coming out right now. I'm having trouble trying to sleep I'm counting sheep not running out As time ticks by Still I try No rest for cops in my mind On my own, here we go There you go. Yeah, a little brain stew for you. <laughs> so yeah, that was the number one in Canada on the alternative rock charts. I'm assuming it was probably close to number one in America because I feel I like that song's I mean, pretty popular. Yeah. When you first said that, I was like, oh, God, it's going to be some like random Canadian band nobody's heard of that's going to be number one. But <laughs> I would imagine that if that was number one in Canada and that song is popular as it still is to this day, I'm, I'd imagine that it was probably number one in America at that time. Yeah, so that is going to bring us to February 3rd of 1996, when 1,200 fans packed into the Lost Battalion Hall in Queens, New York, for the Supercard of Extreme Wrestling. That's right. Yeah, it's the Big Apple Blizzard Blast. <laughs> Not sure why they decided that that was necessary. <laughs> uh, graphic, graphics department worked overtime on this one well, this, this week. if you Google the name of this show and you find the Wikipedia, there's a much more low quality version of the graphic that I'm pretty sure is the original. I'm thinking this is a WWE repurposed uh, version because this is very clean compared to like 1996. I feel like, but there's like a more greenish version. That's like all kind of fuzzy with the snow. 
Here's what, how, what I, how what I would describe this graphic. This was WCW 1993 quality in yeah. the winter of 1996 here in ECW. So, <laughs> well, basically, yeah, yeah, basically, that's that's completely true. Um, so yeah, so at first I was like, wait, is it March second? No, it's February third. Um, the Lost Battalion Hall, Queens, New York, were welcomed by in by Joel Gertner, yeah, and immediately Paul Heyman hits the ring. And I was like, oh, man, we're going to get like a long Heyman thing. No, no, it's not going to be very long. <laughs> no, but it's just funny like how this is. And maybe Heyman was the guy that started it. This is very indie show. You know, like this yeah. was when I went to IWA Mid-South shows as a teenager. Ian Rotten would come out and we'd ha- he'd have to have like a rah-rah speech or cut some <laughs> long-winded promo about, you know, how important it is that we're there or something. Like it's just yeah. something that happens sometimes. It's- I wonder if Polly wasn't the originator of it here because – I feel like this probably happened a lot. It also sounds like they were late, and that probably had to do with the snow. So, Yeah, he says, uh, he grabs the announcer's mic and says, we're delayed tonight. The reason is these guys right here, and he points to this oh, yeah. TV crew. Uh, it's a cameraman, an audio guy, and right. a yeah. reporter, and it, he tells them they're from the TV show A Current Affair, yeah. and the crowd begins chanting, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. <laughs> Man, like, I got to tell you, like, as a, someone, like, as a camera guy that's been in situations like this, not quite Paul with dangerously yelling at you. Yeah. But it's always, like, oh, it's always our fault. Like, I can tell you right now <laughs> that those gentlemen, it is not their fault that they're late. <laughs> and the people whose fault it is will never have to hear or be treated like this. Uh, who's Deborah Norbill? She was just the the anchor of A Current Affair. Oh, Okay. Okay, yeah. I, was, I was. He said that name, and I was like, I don't know what this, what's happening. I think here. she's even. I think she went and did other shows in later years too, like extra and stuff like that. Probably. I was just very curious on like what he said after that because they just cut. They he says a Deborah Norbill joke, and they just cut it, and they're just like, oh, that's it. No more Paul. He's not going to have anything else to say to the crowd. And that was the end of Paul E. Dangerously, at least according to the WWE Network. <laughs> Yeah, so we then cut to the entrances for match number one as Joey Styles is on the microphone, um, and he immediately begins with, like, Deborah Norbill and, like, starts talking about her inside edition making a hard copy. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, match number one is Taz taking on the extreme newcomer, the Shark Attack Kid. Worst possible wrestling name I think I've ever heard. Wow, it is... This is the kind of stuff that I live for. Like, when, when you go back and <laughs> shows, like... That this person exists, the shark attack kid. Um, oh, he has yeah. the worst mullet as well. Yeah, yeah. This isn't, you know, that shark from Sullivan's Dungeon of Dumb, as Joey Styles will tell us. I was curious. I was like, is this a young shark boy? <laughs> I mean, I don't think so. I don't think so either. But <laughs> I wasn't sure. I didn't look it up. It would be um, a better. It'd be a good origin story, though, for sure. Taz is fucking ripped at this point. Oh, like God. he's about to explode. His like legs are gigantic. <laughs> yeah. He's he's really at this point just kind of gotten to kind of, you know, the point he still isn't the man yet, you know what okay, I mean? Like he's yeah. got to get through this he has to get through this heel run and stuff before he just becomes like the badass, but oh. uh yeah, he's heating up at this point. Bill Alfonso, fucking Bill Alfonso grabs the microphone and has this to say. Attack kid making
I I love the ending of that with oh hey with my best friend and he just like leans up against Taz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Alfonso at this point still he's still like in referee attire, really yeah, because he he's just recently you know be, kind of term- become this character you know the oh, extreme okay. you know, the extreme heel referee or whatever. Um, he's not blowing the whistle yet, thank God. He just yells a lot. <laughs> I'm sure he realized quickly that his voice wasn't going to be able to handle that every night. And no. he's like, you know what? I'm going to blow a whistle. That was a good call. Yeah. Definitely a good call. <laughs> um, I also was thinking as I was watching Taz just staring holes in this young man across the ring, like, bad night to be a new guy because <laughs> they're going to be laying it in stiff with a TV crew right oh, there. At ring. I didn't think about that. <laughs> as soon as I saw Taz and somebody named the Shark Attack Kid, and I was like, and a current affair is filming at ringside. <laughs> I thought Taz was going to kill this guy. Oh man. Yeah, no, you're not wrong there. Um, goodness. So they get going here. They do some bad wrist locks. Oh, I forgot to mention the ref. Let's bill Alfonso check Taz for weapons. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I think he might even still technically be an official at this point, <laughs> And like, he can kind of use that to his advantage. I'm not sure though. So yeah, so some bad wrist locks, and then Taz grabs an arm bar, Shark Attack gets the ropes, and uh, Taz just judo throws him down after he gets him up. Some arm ringers, uh, an overhead fireman carry fallaway Tazplex, as called by Joey Styles. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, goodness, man. Keep adding yeah. some, more, some more words and, to that. And then the murder begins. We get yeah. a T-bone Tazplex. Right on the liter- That almost kills the Shark Attack kid. <laughs> Right on top of his fucking noggin. Man. Jesus. Uh, a sunset flip. When this kid did a sunset was, flip. Right after he got hit on his head with that T-bone suplex, he ends up in yeah, the yeah. corner where Bill Alfonso is, who just yells as loud as he possibly can in the kid's ears from like three inches away. I was like, I feel so bad for this guy. Yeah. Man, what a bad night. He probably made like <laughs> 10 bucks if he's lucky too. Um, <laughs> wrestling. Uh, yeah, a sunset flip. I was like, that ain't going to fly. Uh, Taz just kind of rolled through, came right back with a stiff clothesline. Yeah. Good God. Um, Styles, and this is an interesting line. This tells you a lot about the state of the company at the time, but Styles calls Taz the best independent wrestler in New York. He called Shark Attack Kid the number one independent wrestler in New York. What? You said the Shark Attack Kid? Yes. That's what he, oh was, he was trying to talk up the Shark Attack Kid's like, cred. I, I, thought he, I thought he was talking about Taz because, I mean, at this point... <laughs> You know, I would still they would still probably be classified as an independent company. You know, uh, I mean, maybe you're right. Maybe I no, mischaracterized I, it, but I could have swore that's what it was. <laughs> it, it could go either way. I mean, it would make sense to try to put Shark Attack Kid over, I guess, a little bit because Taz sure as hell ain't. No. Um, drop Goodness. kick, and then he gets he, he caught the kid in a half Nelson hammerlock and hit an overhead Tazplex. Just it's brutal, destroying him. Um, he sits him on the top rope. And hits an overhead belly-to-belly suplex to the floor. <laughs> and then Taz, I love it, he goes over to Alfonso and says, blow the whistle. Like, you know, I don't think that was supposed to be on cut on, like, the audio on camera. He's probably like, hey, motherfucker. <laughs> like, for the end of this match, blow the whistle. Uh, Taz locks on the Katahacha May or the Taz mission. He Why do they the always big... say both? What's that? <laughs> they always say both. Like I know. It's, like, just it drives me crazy because it's like, yeah, it's like, no, listen, if you know the names, flex. You know, Dusty Rhodes isn't here to shame you. They're not going to laugh at you because you know the yeah. name of a German suplex or a Russian leg sweep like poor Tony Schiavone had to take. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But anyway, yeah, Taz gets the win here. Not a huge surprise. Um, we got a lot of Taz ahead of us. Yes. Over the course of the evening, so. Yeah, there's going to be a lot more of him to come. Um, this one, this show's like cut up in a weird way. Like, it's very clear later on that like this show started, if you were in the audience, with like a 45-minute talking segment with everybody coming out in different batches with Joey mm-hmm. Styles. And then they were like, this is a bad way to start out a TV show. And so they cut <laughs> all of that out and just yeah. put it partway into the show. <laughs> it's, yeah. Seems it does seem a little strange the way they they splice things together, but um, but yeah, you know, of course Taz isn't done with this kid. Goodness, no, no. I although like, go ahead. What does he do after yeah. the match? Well, he just kind of stalks the kid as he rolls out of the ring, kind of you know menacing. And then Alfonso grabs a mic, but he gives it to Taz. Um, Taz begs the sound guy to play nine one one's music so he can kick his ass. Because everyone knows, if your music plays by the sound guy, you are contractually obligated to come yeah. out to the ring. Yeah, nine one one. I would imagine at this point was probably already out of the company, and they're just kind of using a convenient way to bury him a little bit here. Um, Todd Gordon would come out, the commissioner. This is the first of- time that I was like, "Oh, it's that fake WWE music again." I forgot about that. Okay, uh, I tried to get over it, so I didn't complain about it too much, but. It just, we I, have to point it out in case this is your first time watching or listening to our I show. Know. We I hate just, the goddamn fake ECW music <sighs> in the WWE network. I just block it out. I'm going to get on eBay and I'm going to find all these VHS releases and I'm going to buy them. <laughs> and that's how I'm going to watch these damn shows. Or copy um, them to like a, a hard drive and pass them secretly amongst right. wrestling fans. I'm sure it's out there on like the Daily Motion Wild West or something. Um, Todd Gordon, the part owner, again, one of those guys that like, if you're a ECW pay-per-view and TNN kind of a person, you miss Bill's Todd Gordon. <laughs> they barely give him much time, even when WWE does documentaries about the game. The guy, I mean, pretty much started ECW, and like, Paul came in with him. You know what I mean? Like, I was I was surprised he was still here at this point because from the documentaries and stuff, it seems like Paul came in and two weeks later Gordon was gone. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I mean. Like that's why we won't talk about it a lot. But like these ruthless aggression documentaries, that's, oh, I'm already seeing all the people that are just shitting all over all of their revisionist history and the way they kind of try to tell mm-hmm. this story. You know, like well, it's too early to try to re- revise that with the internet around. Then we can exactly. all go and look back at it. It's not like the '90s where it was like right. still a mystery. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you can't lie to us anymore. But anyway, yeah. So Todd Gordon. He was the owner. He didn't even mean Paul were partners, and then he left. But he was kind of also the on-screen authority figure at times. Um, Gordon says nine one one doesn't want to wrestle Taz and has left the building. And Gordon doesn't know why. <laughs> I was just like, I love that. Is something going wrong with this? Was he? Did he actually not show up? And you guys are literally just like <laughs> scrambling. Like I was just that didn't feel like that was probably the plan originally. But anyway, that's I what happened. I don't know happens. why. Ugh. Yeah. So Alfonso says he kicked Gordon's button, Philly, and challenged to, to get in the ring in New York. And uh, Taz leaves the ring to kind of let these two uh, hash it out. Commissioner Gordon, which just made me laugh, um, got in the ring. And Alfonso lays him out with a punch. And then Gordon, double leg takedown on Alfonso, laying in some stiff skis. Um, and, of course, Taz takes that cue to slide in and attack Todd Gordon, of all people. Yeah. But holy hell, we've got a big debut in ECW and someone that's <laughs> going to be a major part of things moving forward. It's Bam Bam Bigelow who oh. makes the save. And Joey shouts, he doesn't wrestle for us. And, <laughs> and while Joey's telling us, the fans at home, that Bill Alfonso was tasked with telling the people in the crowd that. So this is Bill Alfonso. 
man. That's a WWF superstar. <laughs> it's like, this is the kind of stuff that when Bischoff did it, there were court papers, court orders drawn up and sent to offices <laughs> yeah. on a weekly basis. Paul just flew under the radar because well, that is aren't we in like the, the time where they're kind of working with the WWF at this point, because we've got woman showing up here and like all this other stuff. Well, no, that's, what's what's so WCW, this, that's, what's, that's what's so interesting about this show is that I think this is her out. You know, like, I, mean, I think she did go to WCW and that's why they oh, okay. do what they do with her. No, I mean, uh, if also if Paul worked with anybody, it would be with Vince, not Eric. So the woman thing wouldn't have. Yeah, that's why I didn't understand that. But but the WWF, though, they did work with them for a while. I think they had already done. I don't know if they'd done anything yet. I think it might be in 96 when that happens, actually. So it's just a legit signing then. Like he just was leaving the WWF and he came to ECW then. Who's that? Bam Bam. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, this is his like, yeah, he's here. I thought maybe he was a loner from Vince or something. No, and I mean that you know that kind of stuff. I don't really think it started up yet either. Um, okay, but yeah, in '96 because when the NWO hits and Vince is like, "What the yeah. hell are we gonna do?" That's when you get the ECW <laughs> invasion of of 1996, and then again about right before they do the barely legal pay per view in '97. There's another thing, but uh, no, this is a big move for Bam Bam because if you got to think in 1996, I mean we're less than I mean we're just a little more than a year. Well, it's early '96, so we're not even a year removed from this guy main eventing WrestleMania. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Know, when, he fought, when he fought Lawrence Taylor, I mean, <laughs> not the best main a, event, know, but it's there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, shouldn't have been, but so I mean, this is a pretty, you know, pretty big signing for old, yeah, uh, for, for sure. old Polly here. So, and he would go on to be a, you know, Bam Bam's not one of those like, oh, he's a WWF guy. Like he's, I almost consider Bam Bam Bigelow an ECW wrestler. He's the like, best I, in ECW. When I think of him, I think of Bam. Bam I think of Bam and Bigelow. I think of ECW. He yeah. and he's very similar to Mike Awesome. Like Mike Awesome was in right. other companies, probably longer than he was in ECW. But he's yeah. when I think of Mike Awesome, it's ECW's Mike Awesome. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Any, um, anybody that doesn't is wrong. So yeah, they all chant for Bam Bam. Bigelow says, "You don't got to worry about nine one one. You got to try to suplex the beast of the east." And then that's and, it. And the f- matches these two are going to go on to have. You know, this is your. Falling through the ring, falling through the entrance, you know. <laughs> bam, bam, and Taz have some good ones. But yeah, match number two. I don't mean to be disparaging. I literally don't know what his name is. Alberto something something. El Porto Recano. As that was Alberto Recano. Okay. And Axel Rotten are taking on the uh, Headhunters in this incarnation. I guess. Yeah. Um, they're managed by Damian Kane and Lady Alexander. Two other names that you know. We're around ECW for many for years, but if you come in at a certain time, that like who the hell are they? You know, <laughs> <laughs> talking about Kane and Alexander. Yeah. Okay. Did you get the names of the headhunters specifically? Because I think I was like, wait, they have names. Yeah, it was like was it like Mobot and Mahim, Mofat and Mo- Mahim, Mofat and Mahim. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was, who cares, really? Though, and if no, those of you out there that didn't watch this or you don't know. This is the squat team because for some reason the WWE is weird <laughs> and they call these guys the squat. This is literally what their names like. You look on like the Royal Rumble like you know card inside the DVD where it's like okay. the squat team number one, squat team number two. Goodness, and that's all. That's all they are. And well, they beat. Yeah, yeah. That's they're they're not that impressive here. This whole crew is not that impressive here. I felt very much like I was getting a, a Seth Rollins vibe here from Damian Kane with that Dude. jacket. Damian Kane, yeah, he's got yeah. There's a little bit of uh, Monday Night Messiah going on here. Also, some Elias, a little bit, you know. He's yeah. 
And also, it just I, when I saw the picture, you know, with the fucking the headhunters on each side, it felt very much like the current disciples of uh, Mister <laughs> Mister Messiah right. there. Yeah, they are wrong. Buddy, yeah, Buddy Damien was a Cain good lady has brought these. What's that? I said Buddy's a good lady, Alexander. Um, so yeah, yeah, they they attack at the bell, and like you said, Damien Cain has brought these headhunters in. The, these vicious men or whatever, they're going to attack these guys. They get the rookie and Axel Rotten, who Axel Rotten is still being billed as from Britain. Yeah, well, because this is, he's he's a rookie too, pretty much as well at this point. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, because he is still doing the British thing, which again, if you watch some of the like the global wrestling, the GWF stuff, that like the ESPN years, mm-hmm. uh, and the tech, like him and Ian Rotten were the bad breed, I think. Does he try to talk had, with an accent with his promos? Oh, yeah. Oh, dude, you guys <laughs> see some of those promos when he's ch- cutting with a British accent. It is. I'll have to check that out. They're bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they. he drops it pretty quick. I don't remember this the British thing sticking long okay. once he's in ECW. So. Good deal. But so, yeah, the Headhunters obviously are just in complete control of this match. Um, dude, the, the slaps on Axel in the corner... Where the the headhunter like pulls his hand up in the air like he's raising his hand and then slaps his own chest while he's doing them. I was like, yeah. "What are you doing? Like, yeah. what? Just slap anywhere else in your body. You you're a big fat guy. You could slap anywhere. It's going to sound like that." <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that was something else. Uh, yeah, but eventually Axel's the only one that has much hope at all. He avoids a fist drop, tags in uh, Alberto, whatever his name is. Um, he literally attempts a clothesline and just falls flat on his own back. He, there's a tiger driver, and this dude kicks out. I could not believe that they kicked out of anything. Like I, did, yeah. I really thought this match was over at that point. Yeah, yeah, that tiger driver was it was rough. Um, right, and then a big clothesline flips Rakeño inside out on the cell, and in comes Mahim. I think uh, there's a hair mare on Rakeño, which they call like a modified snap mare. Uh, right. A mean splash in the corner that moves the entire goddamn ring when he hits. Like it is brutal. Uh, the headhunters then with a double team leg drop and splash, yeah. right. but Ian Rotten or Axel Rotten breaks up the pin. I just also God love you gotta love just officials. This ref is all over Axel after he broke up <laughs> that pin attempt after that splash clothesline combo, mm-hmm. and the headhunters up to that point had been cheating for the better part of like two <laughs> minutes in this match. You're not just wrong. double team and do whatever they want. Just oh man, refs you gotta love them. They're putting a tough spot. Brutal spinebuster, um, but the headhunter lifts the shoulders of Ricano off the mat. Uh, headbutt to the groin, and the other hunter tags in. Scoop slam. He goes up top and missed an elbow drop. Oh, thank God. Dude, um, Axel, that, yes. he didn't bounce at all. Like, his body dropped like a balloon of sand. Like, it just doesn't it doesn't bounce. That's, it's so odd looking. That's why the ending is, is that much more terrifying. We'll get there in a second <laughs> because, yeah. Um, Axel with the hot tag, laying in punches. I I will give Axel Rotten credit. Like you see something in. There's you know something what I mean? like, more I don't know. here. Yeah, yeah. Like you can just tell. Like he's obviously better than the other guy, and he's got some, a little bit of something. Um, he's eventually sandwiched between these headhunters, though. Um, they just brush off anything he had done and just lay in shots. He dodges a second sandwich attempt, though. Takes Damian Kane out. Hits a clothesline on one of the hunters. In comes Ricano. He hits a top rope splash for not even a one count. <laughs> just and that's, throw when you, and that's when I knew, oh, okay, good. This is There's no hope in this match. Um, clothesline from the hunter. And then a slam. He goes up top and hits as beautiful of a moonsault as a man his size could probably possibly do. <laughs> in the process, oh. killing 
poor Alberto. Dude, um, that fucking that El Porto Orcano kid, like he just took four hundred pounds directly on his start. Like his, there's you can't that guy couldn't hold that up. Like he wasn't blocking any of it with his fucking right. elbows. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's what I mean about these guys. Because anytime you've ever, I've ever seen any clips of them like doing this, man, it is never any less brutal. You know. <laughs> Like Ugh. I just in yeah. my notes I just have just because you can doesn't mean you should fellas like there, mm. you don't need to be doing these moon salts here that's good wrestling advice actually but anyway we move quickly to match number three yeah the we've, and we've, we've got some things to discuss but I mean it's all in the course of this match three tag team championship match it's your champions Cactus Jack and Mikey Whip Whipwreck who just have tagging along world champion Raven taking on the Eliminators. Perry Saturn and Cronus. Yeah, I was pretty excited about this one, and it, it delivers um, for the most part. Um, so yeah, at this point in time, Cactus has adopted the, you know, take me back, Eric, take me back, Uncle Eric, like that kind of thing. <laughs> okay. You know, he's, you know, he's kind of disowned hardcore wrestling. Mm-hmm. Although it's a little confusing in this match with how he, but anyway, um, so he's you know gone full on heel, but he's still got this his buddy Mikey that. You know, was has been around since before Cactus kind of had this, you know, meltdown or whatever, the Kane Dewey promo and all that stuff. Yeah. Um but Mikey's still here. But now Cactus has accepted a part to be a to be a part of Raven's Nest, which Mikey has no interest in because he's, <laughs> you know, the super baby face. Yeah. So um I just I loved a lot how much of a story they were telling in just like the pre-match introductions with like, mm-hmm. you know, Mikey didn't want to hold the belt, you know, and Raven's hand because Styles isn't really on it at all that like necessarily for a while. You know what I mean? Like yeah, he's yeah. not necessarily like talking us through it move for move like a lot. Of, it's just kind of happening. And then Styles it. eventually kind of like I think even maybe even catches on to it or something. But it'd been going Definitely. on, you know, before he even brought it up. Oh, it's it's good stuff. It is. It is good stuff. And I was very confused at first, but they, they explain it very quickly for you. Um, right. Yeah, they talk about, you know, Cactus wants to worship at Raven's Altar of Pain, and Cactus Jack smirks as he's announced by the ring announcer. Uh, he's he's greeted by You Sold Out chants from the crowd. Yep. Uh, Jack only stops Raven. I noticed this during the during the beginning here. Jack only stops Raven from shoving Mikey when Mikey can see Jack. As yep. soon as Mikey's back is turned, he encourages the bullying. Um, <laughs> and Cactus Jack removes his flannel, revealing a WWF and F shirt. Uh, man. Which was great. And on the back, it says, join the new generation. It is. <laughs> I want PWTs to just make this shirt, like, legitimately. That'd be it, awesome. It oh, it's so good. Um, yeah, so, and also Cactus Jack, I believe it's the night after WrestleMania 12 when Mankind would debut. So this is. Okay. He's winding down his, you know, ECW time here, I believe. I'm not sure exactly cool. when his last match is, but. You know, mankind was on the horizon here in '96. So, speaking of going, Saturn sees a guy in the crowd with a giant sign. This guy in like the front row brought like 17 giant signs, and Perry yes. Saturn really likes his. So he goes and grabs it, pulls yep. it into the ring, and then he and fucking Cronus do a like pose off <laughs> thing where Cronus does the splits, and he puts the <laughs> sign in front of him, and it just reads, "Mikey, if Titan calls, please go." <laughs> Which, first of all. How dare you? Like, I don't know why it's to be like that. Um, hey, hey, they no, gave yeah. him better advice than where he ended up going. He, if he would have gone to Titan, he'd been better off than fucking going to WCW at that point. That's true. I'd imagine he probably made a decent amount of money, but yeah, true. it didn't last long. Um, 
Yeah, Styles mentions Cactus Jack's friendship with Mikey is the only redeeming quality left at this point. <laughs> um, and yeah, Jack gives Mikey some encouragement. Again, like the relationship is in a weird place at this point. Like a, yeah. it's very Mick Foley. Like only Mick Foley tries to tell these overly complicated <laughs> stories that make Vince's head hurt eventually, and he just gives in. Um, yeah, he's encouraging Mikey. We get side headlock takeovers from Whipwreck on Cronus. Uh, was the crowd chanting something sucks dick? I. I couldn't make it out, but yes. Sometimes you just couldn't make it out with these guys. It was lewd, I think, but I'm not sure exactly what they were saying. (laughs) Uh, Cronus blocks a crucifix. Mikey turns it into an arm drag, which again, I think that was a botch, but I will give them a lot of credit for making that look fairly like smooth and on purpose almost. Nice. Because it kind of like, it did look like, oh, he didn't quite get him. And then Mikey, you know, holds on to the arm of Cronus, like basically as he's losing him. And Cronus even kind of, I think realizes what's going on and they kind of turned it into one of those, you know, arm drag takeovers that you see, you know, it's very Lucha Libre like I thought. So, um, and not a bad save there. Uh, yeah. Eventually though, Cronus would get the better of Mikey tossing him across the ring and tagging in Saturn with hair for God's sakes, people. <laughs> I didn't know what I was looking at for a little bit. We'll, we'll see. Well, I know. Right. But- <laughs> yeah. My, my timing couldn't have been like, you know, better as far as my shock of the look of his look. Yeah. When we're talking about mullets. Like it is totally true. The world of wrestling is 10 years behind the rest of the world in terms of, of hairdos because yes. this ECW in 1996 is just jacked full of mullets. Like there's the I'm- ref with the mullet. There's that shark attack kid. Perry yep. Saturn's got one. Um, Cactus breaks it up and forces Mikey to tag out. And then Jack and Mikey tag while both are inside the ring. And I was like, someone alert Jim Cornette. The business is being ruined. Uh, Jack gets the microphone and says, Mikey, if you're not going to help me out here, then why don't you just go ahead and leave? And uh, he says, I won these belts all by myself, and I'll defend them by myself. And Jack pummels Saturn with fists and headbutts, but Saturn won't take it just the whole time. I was like, but no matter. Foley comes back with a big kick and a leg drop. And the two men continue to not work well together as Jack tags in Mikey. He won't take the open stomach and Jack gets mad at him. So he grabs him and then Saturn hits a big kick to the face of Whipwreck, and Jack's like, all right, fine. I'll get out. Speaking of hair and mullets, you know who might have broken that trend? I might have to give the credit to like Sean and Diesel. Those are just two guys that when I was thinking about hair, Brett also, Brett was never a mullet guy. Actually, I'll give him credit for that. Yeah. But Sean and Diesel, I just remember had the, the slick back, you know, long kind of flowing locks hair instead of the, you know, yeah. mullet. So anyway, um, yeah. So, you know, Mick and Mikey are having no love, you know, no luck together. In comes Cronus. He hits the back handspring elbow, which I'll give Cronus credit for maybe being, aside from Muda, one of the first people that I can really remember, like, give I remember, like, I see that move and I think of John Cronus, you know, nice. like when people... When China and the Kelly Kellys of the world started yeah. doing it. it <laughs> I think of Kelly Kelly at this point. It just, just didn't quite have the same momentum when it isn't somebody that weighs, you know, 240 pounds Definitely. You know, flying back at you. It looks, this is anyway. the very moment when I realized that the ECW sign in the background is on the backboard of a basketball hoop. And it's just like right. sitting on top of the hoop. Yeah. <laughs> How awesome is that, man? You got to love it. Did um, you pick up on the crowd this match just going in on their themselves and they've just start doing the, we want random old wrestler here. Really? I don't know. I kind of must have constant through this match from here on out. I think I feel like I maybe I remember something like that now. Cause yeah, there's yeah. They're just being assholes. There's a chin lock and that's like the moment when they finally get a chance to scream. And then we hear a, we want leap and Lanny Poffo. 
I remember that stuff now, yeah. <laughs> and then Don Canoodle, and then yeah. Killer Kowalski, and like my notes are just like, and then this person, and then this yeah. person. Good. Yeah, but a bunch of jerks. Um, yeah, but after the chin lock, uh, you know, Saturn would tag into the match. Cronus delivers a power bomb. Saturn delivers a knee drop. Jack breaks up the pin attempt, though. Uh, Saturn then delivers a clothesline to Mikey for a two. Cronus is back in. They hit a combo side suplex leg drop. Jack again makes the save. So, you know, maybe he does want to be Mikey's tag team partner. Oh, huge overhead belly to belly by Cronus. And I was like, Jesus Ooh. Christ. <laughs> Ooh. Oh. Scary. But in comes Jack. He takes out the Eliminators. Um, they The two-on-one is eventually, though, too much. They overcome Jack. Um, he hits the cactus clothesline. Takes Cronus out of the ring. Saturn, though, misses a dive attempt. And uh, Jack would hit. And, man, I hadn't seen one of these in a long time. I well, forgot about him doing this move, man. Real quick, before you yeah, get to that, right after the clothesline. Yeah. Like, he hits the clothesline, and then when he goes, he, like, coffin drops onto the barricade on Cronus. I was like, That's Holy what I was shit. talking about. That's oh, also, okay. like, that, that back <laughs> elbow where he just, yeah. like, hot, falls backwards from, like, the second rope. Dude, that's crazy shit. I think he did it a little bit in WCW as well. So that was yeah, that was cool. I thought that you were moving on to the pile driver because his pile no. driver is the fucking best as well. True. I love his pile driver. Yeah, he hits a pile driver on Saturn. He then breaks a bottle over the ring post. <laughs> and this is when I'm just like, I'm a little conflicted on the Cactus Jack character at this point. Like, oh, the fans are chanting, "We want blood." Oh, I know. And that's yeah. Maybe he hasn't gone the full anti-hardcore thing yet. Um, yeah, Mikey's like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> tries, <laughs> tries to stop him. And then stops Saturn from using it. Um, and Mikey takes the Eliminators out. Hits a top rope Huracurana on Saturn. Mikey then hits Cronus with a... Um, and then hit Cronus. Mikey, though, bumps into Jack. He hit him with a know. boot. Cronus yeah. had grabbed a boot and was going to use it That's on right. somebody. And he, like, grabbed it from him and hit him with it. Right. It's like, why? Um, yeah, in miscommunication, Mikey bumping into Cactus Jack will be followed by the total elimination from the Eliminators. One, two, three, and new tag team champions, Perry Saturn and John Cronus. Yeah, which I remember like one of the first ECW shows we did. I think that those two were the tag champions at the time. Yeah, Um, those belts move around quite a bit. It was a good division. So they pose with the belts, but in the ring, Raven is already assaulting Mikey. Cactus throws Raven into the corner, shouting, you son of a bitch, you don't touch him. And then yep. he turns around and clotheslines Mikey fucking out of his boots. Ah, Jack, you tore out my heart. <laughs> tore out my heart, Jack. And then he holds Mikey down while Raven chair shots him. And then Cactus does the double arm DDT onto the chair for Mikey. And we get the extreme replay. And then we see that the Eliminators are still sitting at the timekeeper's table for some yeah. reason with the belts. They were just sitting there laughing like while Mikey was getting beaten up. Oh, that's what they're okay. So they're watching my. Yeah. I was like, why are they just here? But uh, they're here because here comes the Queen of Extreme, Francine, on her way to the ring. Mm-hmm. Um, she says she's Joey Styles says she's brave to be going out there after they had, had after she had been given the total elimination from these two gentlemen not long ago. We don't get uh, very she, many. Go ahead. She is the manager of the Pitbulls, which is why there's you know history here. Yeah, and uh, he says, you know, you're really brave to be out here because this is those guys total eliminated you earlier. And then we get Francine's like one of the few Francine promos here for a bit. 
It sounds like fucking Jay and Silent Bob. Use twos were the best tag team. (laughs) We couldn't help it, man. The jersey came out there. Um, I also, I love the after I took and then the quick correction. Because, dude, I'll bet she got killed for that, man. (laughs) Like, that is amazing. After I took the total elimination. Oh, God. Um, Yeah. Pitbulls hit the ring. It's all a ruse. And then it gets ugly. Saturn's, like, hung by a chain. Yeah, he's always, always hanging people. They had a real fear of like hanging people by things. It got him into trouble sometimes. Yeah, well, like you know, one of the pit bulls starts it, and then Francine takes over and is like hanging Perry Saturn with this chain for a while. Which, I, I don't mean to be mean, but I don't know that how well she would be able to like hold that. You know what I mean? Hold the chain. Yeah, he's very clearly standing on the floor. <laughs> right, right, exactly. I guess uh, it's still choking him. We get a super bomb by the bulldogs on Cronus. And then Francine pulls out scissors. Right. Why? I, and she just cuts Saturn's hair. And Joey's, I was like, what, what's happening? Joey, like, starts telling us recaps of the entire storyline very quickly. I was like, right. what, what was going on with the hair, though? And I feel like they're almost like, this is this is her justice for almost having her neck broken by the total. It's like, <laughs> I don't really know that, you know, cutting someone's hair is quite the same thing as, like, almost having your neck broken. But what do no. I know? Seems like Saturn probably recognized his balding pattern and was just like, yeah, you know what? Just probably. cut my hair. Probably, yeah. Um, they promote a six-man dog collar match coming up, and then we go, not coming up on this show, but in the right. future, and then we go to the gangsters who have this to say. You see, we here to be had, son. You got to bring ass to get it. And then, you know what I mean? We gonna get it. We gonna get it. And we gonna get it real good. So anytime you want some, come on, get some. You see, we don't like nobody. Believe it or not, at times, I don't even like him that much. You know what I mean? Bring it on. We coming. <laughs> like, you got to bring ass to get it. You know what I mean? I was like, no, I don't know what right. you mean, but I'm yeah. down. I'm, I'm cool. Like, keep talking. This is fun. I don't know what you're talking about, but all right. <laughs> yeah, let's. No, also, I'll, the gangsters, man, if that could have just been, like, reeled in a little, like, they, I mean, that is off the charts kind of stuff there. There's some, cool, there's as some far as, weird like, energy here, man. Like, yeah. it's like the gimmick itself and just, like, the hard edge to it all, like, there's nothing like him, you know. That's why Paul had to have him when it, when it came to the whole Smoky Mountain thing, you know. Like New Jack's talking shit. Mufasa's just like doing this weird like stare into the camera thing. Yeah, and it's uh it's off putting. But yeah, so yeah, you got to bring ass to get it, and we don't like nobody. At mm. times, I don't even like him, and yep. they're coming. So yep. there you go. Absolutely. Yeah. Problem is, is that. Neither one of these men can wrestle. But anyway, um, <laughs> we now go to the ring and we see Kimona Wanalea strutting across the ring and then laying in the lap of Raven. 
Yes. Who I, who I did he just stay at ringside? Like I don't even know at this point anymore. I, I was so confused at the timeline of all this stuff because I know. Then in the ring is the blue meanie and Stevie. They've got yeah. microphones. They start talking. Uh, the crowd is chanting about Stevie fucking sheep, and they've got yeah. a, a sheep that they're showing us a blow up one. Uh, and he says this is their New York debut, and they're collectively going to be known as the Fabulous Ones. And they say they're going to do the fabulous Fargo strut, and they do it to replacement music. Yes. Uh, Yeah. And then they do some dancing. And here comes Beulah McGillicuddy, Tommy Dreamer, and the franchise, Shane Douglas, who just also recently left the WWF. Um, And Beulah is pregnant and carrying the child of Tommy Dreamer in the storyline at this point. Yes. What match is this that's coming in here? Match number four. It's Stevie Richards and Raven, kind of. I don't know. With <laughs> Kimona and the Blue Meanie taking on Tommy Dreamer and Shane Douglas with Beulah McGillicuddy. Yeah. So the fans cheer very hard when Beulah comes out. And we're told she's pregnant with Tommy's child, like you said right now. She's dancing in Tommy's lap in the corner. As apparently yeah. she like wants to outdo Kimona Wanalea. Uh, yeah. She gives Tommy's middle finger a blowjob in the middle of this. Yeah. It gets really weird and raunchy. Like this is this is so like seeing this now, it just puts so much in perspective in 2020's Raw of like right. what Paul Heyman introduced as soon as he was put in charge of anything. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, you're not wrong. Um, yeah, so she's rubbing her crotch in his face at one point. It's something else. Um, he flips Raven off before she sucked that middle finger. Yes. Um, Joey Styles tells us that his boxers just shrunk. <laughs> While this is all happening, what's the what the fuck is a Bowery? That's where Raven's from. What, what is it? Where is it? Where's the Bowery? It's, is that a specific place? Is it like it's, a? It's, it's near the boiler room. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I just know, I've never heard the word anywhere else except for here's it's where Raven. Raven's from the Bowery. Okay, well Raven is from the Bowery. <laughs> I think it's like a sewer. <laughs> okay. Maybe. All right. All right. You know, like, I, I, I don't know. It's... I I do love that it's 1996, and yeah. one thing that I do know was happening in the world of 1996 was the swing music comeback, and uh-huh. Stevie Richards was taking full advantage of it as a heel, as he was the king of swing, dancing Stevie Richards at this point. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, that's perfect. I love that he's doing that. Right. Well, and it's also kind of, he's supposed to be a little bit of like a Shawn Michaels. Well, yeah, there's too, that with too. Short shorts and stuff. But I just uh, love that no, he has King right. of Swing and he's not doing like a big swing move. No. Right. <laughs> um, the Bowery is a street in Manhattan. So oh, okay. That may very well be Is it. anyone else like, listed as com- oh, Bad Street? I was going to say, is anyone else listed from a specific street? But boom, right there. <laughs> yeah, you know it. Bad Street, USA. Um, yeah, so Raven, of course, would duck out just before we would get our confrontation between him and Tommy. Another thing that Paul is great at, or at least was great at, I don't know if he's done you know recently as much, but Taz and Sabu, Tommy and Raven. like yeah storylines that spanned years and they their matches were few and far between sometimes you know mm-hmm. and it feels like the the way that they would interact in like these tag matches yeah. feels a little bit like how like new japan does with their multi-man tag matches where like sto- characters still interact if they've got a history and stuff and all mm-hmm. that um, absolutely i i loved shane throwing up the john cena hand signal yeah 
triple threat, baby. <laughs> triple threat. Oh yeah, but two of them. Um, yeah. So yeah, like you said, Raven backs out. Dreamer has to fight someone else off the top. A uh, big clothesline by Dreamer sends Richards to the floor. Fans are fucking psyched early on in this one, man. They're really up right. for this. Tommy stares at Raven and then baseball slides a chair off the apron into the face of Stevie and it's being held by Shane. Uh, he then drops Stevie's face over the steel barricade, which was brutal. Richards yeah. removes one shirt and puts on a second one. Oh, it's yes. a Razor Ramon shirt. <laughs> yeah, a Razor Ramon new generation style t-shirt. Um, and then he puts a toothpick behind his ear as well. Douglas would get in the ring because this is, of course, not Shane Douglas's favorite person. This is basically the man that ran him out of the WWF. Um, Stevie throws the toothpick into the face. Um, Shane then just tosses him across the ring by the shirt, whips his ass in the corner, and feeds the shirt to Stevie Richards. Uh, we get an atomic drop and then, you know, racks him across the top rope and really gives it a good shake. Um, Dude, this is the start of a gazillion nut shots. Like, this match is all nut shots and pile drivers from here on out. Yeah, I remember you texted me that. You're not wrong. <laughs> Yeah, because Tommy tags in. They hit a double-team clothesline. Tommy tosses Richards to the outside. Um, he hits Stevie in the back with a Super Nintendo that makes more than one appearance tonight. I don't know how this thing kept That's, being... That is a, an original Nintendo Entertainment System. Ah. It is hardcore. Like, when I saw that, I was like, that thing is fucking heavy. Those aren't, like... <laughs> yeah, that's solid. Uh, yeah. Dreamer, as you mentioned, in-ring racks Richards, then hits him with a telephone, uh, scoop slams Stevie onto a chair, goes up top, but Dreamer misses the splash. Here's where Current Affair takes all their footage from, is these yep. guys hitting each other with frying pans. Um, so, yeah, we get another chair shot. Uh, hold on. He hits him with a chair. Raven then hits a falling punch straight to Dreamer's dick. Yep. Uh, we get another chair shot. Stevie tries to get his shirt back on. I, I noticed this. He's on the edge out, outside by the apron. Blue Meanie hands him his, his original T-shirt. He tries to put it back on, but Raven tags him in too quick, so he hands it back to Meanie. Meanie <laughs> deposits the shirt in the crotch of his pants in the front. I was like, what are you doing? What is happening here? I don't know who uh, else was supposed to be seeing that, but anyways, Stevie can't get Tommy up and just drops him on top of his head. It is brutal. Yeah, that wasn't good. That was actually really bad. Um, yeah. Raven's like, get out of here. Tags in. His dreamer with the belt. <laughs> Classic Raven drop toe hold. Richards hits an elbow drop for a two. He got his Double shirt two. back, by the way. Yeah, he did get his shirt back. His crotch-soaked shirt. Uh, Double-team suplex on to Tommy Dreamer. Um, Dreamer comes so close to making the tag, but Raven would pull him away. Delivers a snapmare. This ECW crowd is chanting, we want blood. Yeah. Because you got to love them, right? Um, <laughs> it's not unanimous. Like, I got no, a sense that even maybe right. at this point, there was maybe like two sections of the ECW crowd because it was like it was kind of strong. And then he almost felt like there was like a good portion of the audience. that was kind of like, eh, I don't really want to chant well, that specific. So, you know, we're talking about that, but then it gets a little weird here because Raven hits like a Vader bomb thing on Dreamer's shoulder. And yeah. then I've, I heard like three or four fans chanting boring. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. I was like, man, those are definitely the worst of the worst in the building there. Oh, so in comes Stevie Richards. More low blows. A Stevie kick, though, leaves both men down. Then in comes Raven. Hits a pile driver by Raven for a two count. Richards yeah. comes back in. Knee to the nuts of Dreamer. <laughs> and then Raven and Douglas are tagged. Douglas is the house on fire on both heels. Dodges yeah. a chair from Raven. Cracks Raven. He then hits a pile driver on Richards. And Raven breaks up the pin. It was like, Jesus, man. And Dreamer throws Raven to the floor. 
Yeah, belly to belly on Stevie Richards from Douglas in the ring. The ref is gone for some god reason. I don't know. And here comes Cactus Jack. What? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Shane fights him off. Um, Raven now with the old taped fist um, hits Douglas and gets a near fall. And now here comes the Sandman. All of a sudden, he's the outside. <laughs> he's caning everybody. Even knocks the ref out for God's sakes. Um, Rain would Raven would cover Shane Douglas, but the ref is of course dead because the Sandman. Nailed him with a kendo stick. Uh, Raven hits a pile driver on the franchise, but again, only manages to get a near fall. Richards, again, man, he just racks, racks Shane Douglas on the bottom rope. Um, we get the old heads colliding in the middle of the ring, and both men are down. So, I think someone tried a Stevie's uh, got a penis chant at some point. I think I definitely heard the Stevie has a penis chant. <laughs> I don't know what was going on there. Um but yeah, where, where were you at? Did you just do the DDT from the franchise? Um, yeah, both men down do again. Now. Yeah, Shane caught Raven with a DDT. Yeah, and they're both down. Then Stevie comes in, hits a Stevie bomb for a 2.9 count after the ref had been dealing with Dreamer for a while. Um, so that kind of let him get the kick out there. Springboard back elbow by Douglas from the corner. Both men are down again. Raven then tags in. Dreamer with a frying pan cracking the head of Raven and Richards. Dreamer then with the frying pan to the nuts of Richards while in the tree of woe. I was like, nothing matters in this match. Meanie goes to the top rope. Dreamer gets up. Meanie never looked, and he moonsaults onto Richards. But Draven okay. breaks up the pin, or Raven breaks up the pin, and DDT's Dreamer for a two count. Yeah, great stuff there. Douglas would break that up. Shane Douglas then with a dive to the outside onto Raven. <laughs> Okay. Um, Beulah, <laughs> all while this is happening. This is so weird. <laughs> is taping a frying pan to the foot of Tommy Dreamer, who would then use his frying pan foot to hit an enziguri for the one, two, three, and your winners, Tommy Dreamer and the franchise, Shane Douglas. Oh, this is a 19-minute match. Listen, 19 I, minutes. This should have been I the main event. The, I get the impression that you don't like this match. I, I did not like thorough, this match. <laughs> I like this match quite a lot, actually. <laughs> I just like, felt like this should have been 10 minutes. Like, have all this chaos, but get it in right. 10 minutes. It just got very a little repetitive by the end. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. But, hey, they they slow things down, and we get nice and technical in the next and one. I'm almost, I am almost sure that this was actually the main event of this show when they taped it, and that they... Stuck it in the middle for no fucking reason. I think you're 100% right about that. (laughs) And I have no fucking idea why they go the way they go with all things. Other than this is the old Coliseum video method. True. Where the the main event's in the middle of the show. Because no one's going to watch the rest of the tape. (laughs) Who cares what's even on after this? No one gets past 50 minutes of any VHS. You all know this. Um, so yeah, afterwards, Raven already skedaddles to the back. Seemingly, we see the meanie being chased by the franchise and he cracks meanie with a skillet. And then that takes us to match number four, which like you said, gets very technical here. We got Raymus go. It's not four. This five. You're right. Match number five. Ray Mysterio Jr. Taking on Juventud Guerrera. The juice. Yeah. Before he was, you know kind of impossible to work with and was a bit of a yes. problem but um, no this is i was really happy to see this match on here and this is really good stuff i've i completely forgot to cut the audio i wanted to i forgot to of, of the entrances here because fucking joel gertner goes all out on this ray mysterio entrance he's like yeah. he, he he's, gets repetitive at one point 
because he does bilingual entrances for both for yes. both of them. Yeah, he says El Chico Tecnico de San Diego, and Mysterio flips off Juventud Guerrero during this. He calls him El Super Nino, Superboy, Rey Mysterio Jr., and it's just like a lot of announcements. Um, but yeah, then Rey extends a hand for a handshake, and Guerrero spits on him. I'm like, well, yeah, you just flipped him off. What do you think he's going to do? It's true. No, that, you're, not, you're not wrong about that. Um, but anyway, yeah, this is as expected. You know, here we are in February of 1996. The cruiserweights have been on WCW a little bit to this point. I don't think Ray's come over yet. Okay, Malenko's Malenko's probably like the champion at this point. I'm not sure, but you know, so one of the ha- one of the reviewers. I'm not going to read his review, but uh, he mm-hmm. mentioned that like he, and he he thought that like these two had this match, and then Eric signed them both like the next day. <laughs> That's pretty much how Paul Heyman will tell the story, you know, because Paul had. <laughs> Paul had also had brought had brought psychosis in and Conan yeah. and had had all these guys working on various shows over the last you know the year course of a year or so and uh, yeah and then Eric just signed all of them and at his cruiserweight division but anyway yeah so um, just cool cool as hell to see this here in early '96 you just think about the WWF on the other channel could you imagine yeah. Juventud Guerrero and Rey Mysterio on <laughs> Raw in nineteen you know February of '96 like be ridiculous right. Uh, so yeah, Mysterio with an arm drag, Hoobie ducks out of the ring. Like I said, there's a lot of other stuff that happens. Um, Hoobie with an airplane spin slam, followed by a snapmare takeover. Uh, Guerrera then tied Ray up and managed to get a two count. Side headlock from Mysterio on Hoobie. Uh, men work to their feet, and Ray then hits an arm drag out of a body scissor. Hoobintu uh, nips up out of an arm bar and locks Ray in one of his own. Hoobintu then with chops, followed by a spine buster that only manages a two count. Yeah. So a very fast exchange though there in those first couple minutes. Definitely. Yeah. They then tie their legs together and they bridge into the thing where they're both standing on each other's heads and slapping each other yeah. in the face. Um I just have this match is great. Uh Ray with a hurricane rana from the top to the man on the apron sending Hoovy to the floor. Ooh. Uh huge swinging head scissors, a huge swinging head scissors and then a springboard hurricane rana. <laughs> I liked your I liked your more of a hoof <laughs> kind of pronunciation of huge. I like huge. <laughs> So Mysterio runs Hoovy into the ring post with a chair wrapped around his head. Guerrera is handed a fucking light bulb by a crowd member and like in he perfect heel fashion though. He just walks around the outside and then just puts it down. Yes. But I, I was like, is he about to use a light bulb? I thought he was going to cut the shit out of his hand, man. Oh, he would have. Oh, if he had used a real light. Oh, man. That's why they use the light tubes. Because, yeah. oh, man, a real light bulb. That's ugh, get messy. Um, Hooventud caught Ray with a German suplex followed by a springboard spin kick for a two count. Sit out Tiger Bomb from Guerrera again gets a two on Mysterio. Leg drop from Hoovy. Press slam into a fall away slam, which was also pretty damn cool. You know, had him up over his head and just dropped him and then threw him backwards. Mm-hmm. Mysterio, though, finally fires up on Guerrera, delivering chops. He avoids a splash. Mysterio then caught Hoovy with another Huracarana for a two count. Mysterio then goes up on the shoulders of Hoovy in like a victory roll position, but spins around, seated on his shoulders, and delivers a Huracarana. Mysterio then with a power slam goes to the top rope. Hoovy, though, cuts him off, went for a splash mountain, um, but Mysterio would counter in midair with a Huracarana and get the one, two, three in your winner, Ray Mysterio Jr., yeah, man, this was a good match. This was oh, yeah. awesome stuff. Very fast, Wait, and they, you can yeah. just tell that these two have worked together quite a bit. You just watch this stuff, man, and then you watch New Japan Junior Heavyweights, and it's 
so influential. Oh, you yeah. know what I mean? Like the world would be a much different place without this like cruiserweight explosion in the mid nineties, you know? Definitely. Um, so now we go to Taz and Alfonso who are back again. I know. Right. And Bill says, nine one one will never answer the call again. Nine one one's finished. I got a criminal. My mind is more dangerous than Al Capone. My man, Taz. And he just starts yelling. And then here comes Ray Mysterio jr. With the start of possibly this. the worst. <laughs> So funny, I love though. it though. I got a criminal in my mind that is more dangerous than alcohol. He's a human suplex machine. My man Taz, 911, packed up his bags because he ain't got the guts to face me. Oh. That Ray Mysterio Jr. You know something? Bill Alfonso and Taz, 911 is not here right now, so you shouldn't be talking about him. Yeah. <laughs> I just, what? it's cool. As, I mean, I like, I kind of like that just from the standpoint of like, you know, giving Ray and, I mean, Ray and Taz, man, I wish that would have happened. That like, would have been cool, yeah. <laughs> what a fucking match in 96 that could have been. Um, <laughs> Yeah, just, Mysterio would then say that Taz love, is scared to fight him. I just love, he's not here right now, so you shouldn't be yeah. talking. Like, you're just tattling on him for gossiping. Right. Um, it's true, yeah. yeah he's not well, afraid not, of Taz. Why either, are they so. back out here, also? Other than the That's fact why, that Paul, also, Paul was like, hey, let's uh, try to set up a Ray Taz match. What are we going to do? I don't know. Go out there and talk shit about 911 again. If it wasn't for the fact that we already got the other segment with him talking shit about 911, I would think that this was just cut up from earlier, but like. Yeah. It seems so weird. Yeah, it's like they must have had two segments with Taz and Alfonso, which is crazy. So, yeah, but anyway, Ray would eventually take Fonzie out. Um, Taz caught a botched Huracurana and powerbombed Ray. It was kind of of messy there. Uh, Ray then with a nicer Huracurana was tossed around by Taz, who uh, eventually, you know, hits an overhead German suplex, and he's, you know, just... Beating this poor man down, of you know officials and Hack Myers and JT Smith get in the ring, <laughs> and then JT Smith like goes into business for himself. I think I don't know what <laughs> and starts stomping on Ray. I don't know what's going on. This is JT Smith stuff. And I'm Italian. We're frankly paisans. You know what I'm saying? Are you not He's hurt. What are you doing? That's all right. You know what? No style. This is what we do. When somebody, when, you know, when the birds hurt, somebody's hurt. This is what we do to the other side. You're gonna, you're gonna help. What are you doing? What the hell? Are, what the hell? Is- I, I always love the like local indie guy that the crowd just loves the way that like the noise they make when they make punching sounds. Sha, sha. Like I don't know what's going on there, yeah. but that's awesome. Sha, sha. <laughs> oh yeah, that's the Hack Myers thing. Yeah, I, that's oh, okay. just. I- I'm not sure what it is, but yeah, that's what they do. So, um, so yeah, JT says, you know, apparently Italian people beat on people once they're down is the idea. I don't know. I guess that's what the mobsters do. But yeah, he starts stomping on him, and, and uh, Hack Myers ain't taking too kindly to it. No. No, he runs him to the back. Styles gets back in the ring and says, all right, we're going to start this over, whatever this is. I don't really know what that means. Um and now here comes Nancy Sullivan, or woman. That's right. That when he says we're going to start this over, that's what made me think that this is all part of like an, a long starting of the show, and yeah. this is Joey trying to get the start of the show off. That makes sense. That yeah, you're right. And that, that wouldn't be a great way to start a show, especially if you've never seen this before. 
You'd be like, oh. why are they talking for 30 minutes at the beginning? <laughs> uh, but yeah, here comes woman. woman. She tells us to watch Monday nights to see the real action. Hi. Hello, Joseph. Do you really think that at the ECW is the only place that you're going to see action like this? Just tune into your television every Monday night and you'll see plenty of action like this. Yep. Monday nights, yeah. Yes, tune in at Monday nights. You'll see the action every Monday night. She's just like very like weirdly stilted in the way that she's like <laughs> at the like, ECW what? is the only action yeah. like this. What, what don't you understand about me saying Monday nights are where the action is? That's all I'm going to say about it. Like, you know, oh, yeah, Joey's like trying to get more out of her. But that's all she says. But um, there's there's good news for the ECW fans, Tony. She's going to stick around. Yeah, but as a matter of fact, I plan on sticking around here at the ECW. Nobody is going to tell me what to do, woman. Do you understand? Send me off kicking and screaming. But you know, Joey, as a matter of fact, when is your contract up? I mean, maybe you'd like to come with me. Whoa. <laughs> I mean, it's weird. I do kind of like this like character though, like this like crazy person that she's become in this ECW right. world. But it's just like, why does she keep referring to it as the ECW every single time? <laughs> I, I, yeah, just I guess the way maybe some people talk or say things like that. But yeah, that's a little strange. But here comes the Sandman. And is was this uh, like did WWE Network just mercifully let us out of the entirety of the Sandman's entrance, or did the they cut this for the VHS copy? Because like this is the weirdest Sandman entrance. Like they just cut to him like being by ringside. Yeah, I don't know if he was doing the full like walking through the crowd thing yet just yet. Anyway, okay, that he might, might have been case. sometimes, but. I'm not sure it was like as common as it would be later. Well, I'll just play the start of this, and then you can describe the rest of it, because just the beginning of this is great, and then it all goes downhill. Are you here? Did you change your mind? Are you going to come with me? Change my mind? Yeah, come with me. No, girl. I'm sorry to say it. I do not want to come with you. Uh, uh. <laughs> I just I thought his delivery was like really good there, and then no, he it did. Just, yeah. Then it just turns into him calling her a bitch, right? <laughs> which is yeah, which isn't very nice. Oh uh, yeah, she's been one her whole damn life, according to the Sandman. She says she plans to stay a long time being the bitch that she is, and then challenges anyone to come down and run her off. It was a weird it's, challenge. Yeah, because then Scorpio comes out, and it's like. What's Scorpio doing? And then it's like, I think he's with her. Well, and he, I don't know. He put no thought into this promo. Like this felt very much like he was like, I'll figure it out when I get out there. And then when he got out there, he couldn't figure it out. Cause he just starts laughing over and over again. Nancy. <laughs> <laughs> All I can say is <laughs> send me. All I can say is, this bitch is out of here. It's like, <laughs> okay. Was that, is he a baby face there? Like, I think so. Cause he picks her up and carries right, her out of the building. Right. And we see That's like right. 17 creepers go for butt touches as they go out. Yeah. Well, yeah, you'll have that. People love to slap wrestlers on their body parts as they walk by for some reason. Um, 
Yeah, he puts her in the limo outside and says, take that bitch to Atlanta. <laughs> I do. I love that we actually go outside and there's like snow fucking everywhere in this like shitty True. old limo that they throw her into and it burns the fuck out in the snow trying to leave the building. Yeah. I was like, this feels so much like just like they're in just like a ratty part of New York yeah. during the middle of a snowstorm. Yeah. And then, man, we've got Stevie and Meanie are back in the ring again. Mm hmm. And it's like, what is this? And this is why I feel like this is what led to the Raven coming to the ring. But then that doesn't make sense if that was the main event. It's like, this all doesn't make any sense. Why is so many people coming back out? They're just cutting it up, man. Uh, Stevie has been sent out here to give Sandman a message. Because Sandman is just still out there. Yes. Um, There's a contract for Raven to fight the Sandman. Yeah, for Sandman to fight Raven for the title. Stevie says he's giving Sandman one opportunity to back out of this championship match for no real reason. Yeah. We do get this, though, in response from the fans. I made a perfect eight-second clip of that, and you can put it on repeat. And make ah. it play as long as you want. And the fans will always chant for him to fuck him up, Sandman. So there you go. I love it. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, if you don't back out, though, I'm going to have to Stevie kick you. Yep. And he's going to, he will. Uh, Meanie asks if he can kick him. Uh, crowd then begins chanting, you fat fuck, at the Blue Meanie, because they're just nice, wholesome people like that. Uh, Sandman then hits the Blue Meanie, maybe as hard in the head as I've ever seen a human hit somebody with a kendo stick. It's rough. Whew. He then backed Stevie Richards into the corner, told him to tell Raven he's coming for the title. Um, he then hits Meanie again with the cane because he's just nice mm-hmm. like that. Right in the fucking stomach because you can start to see <sighs> it like welt up immediately. Yeah, Stevie Richards asks Joey Styles what he should do because Raven's going to be pissed. Um, and then here comes Raven with Kimona. <laughs> again, I, you know, it's like, man... Why do you people even go backstage? Uh, Raven's upset that he gave Stevie the meanie, and he still gets the crap kicked out of him every day. Um, Stevie was also the one who was apparently responsible for giving Beulah her birth control, which... Yeah. Wouldn't Beulah just be the one taking her birth control? <laughs> like, or was she trying to get pregnant? I don't know. It's, it's a lot to ingest. Yeah, he reminds her one pill per day. Um, and then he starts talking about, you know sending him out here to talk to the Sandman and give him a message. And we get like bleeped out segments. And I yeah. noticed when I was trying to cut the audio that like, there's still his voice underneath the bleep. And so you can use noise reduction to get rid of the bleeps and then amplify his voice. So it sounds a little different, but you can hear what they tried to bleep out of this ECW show. So here's Raven's promo. I send you up here to give a message to a man who cannot handle his alcohol, a man who cannot drink, a drunk and a freaking drug addict. I say, if you're gonna do drugs, be able to handle them. I tell you to give him a message. So apparently they were just deleting the word drugs is the big thing. I hate the WWE so much sometimes. Like. They're, they just, the little, like, I can't even believe they care. Like, the time that well, they spent. I'm curious, like, because the way that it bleeps it out, like, it, they don't do that anywhere else on the show, even though we've got, yeah. like, fucking and people yeah, you're right. talking about fags and stuff on the other raw episodes. 
That's true. So, like, is this from ECW's release of it? It might be from, like, the VHS release of it, yeah. I don't, because I just remember, like, the mid-90s and, like, MTV with their cigarettes and and drugs and anything being cut out of everything. I could see that, like, maybe this would be the thing that pushes it beyond the line. Violence is okay. Fucking is okay. But don't (laughs) say drugs. Yeah, good God. Um, Raven would then slap Stevie Richards and tell him, you know, ask him what the big surprise is. Stevie's been teasing a surprise because, good God, there's not enough going on with this, this storyline and these Jesus. people. He, yeah, he teases it by saying it's a surprise that will shock the wrestling world and every fan worldwide. Right. And you're like, okay, maybe it's this will be, be important. Every major newscast, current affair, hard copy, Fox TV yeah. News Network, and 2020. Yep. Now, none <laughs> of them are going to care. Um, he pulls a piece of paper out of Meanie's pants. And it says that Stevie Richards is suing Missy Hyatt for sexual harassment. <laughs> God, I forgot how much of this all feeds into each other. Jesus. All right, go ahead. It just goes on. <laughs> he says last month he was violated, he was molested, he was touched. Of course, here comes Missy Hyatt, who is, well, and by hot, I mean she's angry. She's also, you know, looks very hot. Um, she's coming <laughs> to the ring. Says, you know, that was probably the best date you've ever had. Yeah, she um, gives the you wanted it defense. Right. Which, again, this is so Paul Heyman. Like you said, like, <laughs> now you watch this stuff and you watch Raw, and you're like, oh, yeah, okay. Obviously, this is what Paul <laughs> thinks. This is how people act in Paul Heyman's world. Um, Raven then tells Missy there is one other option. She could join up with the champ. Yeah, you know. Says, yeah, she's been there before, and he can't measure up. Woo, oh, man. Girl. She told the world champion his penis was small. Um, she insults his sperm count because Tommy got his ex-girlfriend pregnant. Oh, man, that's yeah. just too far. And then Raven, like a 13-year-old boy in like a movie from the 90s, tells Missy that he's going to whoop her ass. <laughs> I'm going to whoop your ass. I was like, did you just say you're going to whoop her ass? Yeah, yeah, he did. It's like the tough bully kid from something that came out in like 97. At one point, Hyatt says like, look at you. Look at me. She's like, look at that whore you're with. She's like, no. Um, so yeah, it says, you know, since your career's having problems, you need to be. Oh, here we go. Sandman comes out to Missy's defense. Yeah, it's a cane for everybody. So Sandman's back. Uh, Missy grabs Sandman and says, your career's having problems. You need to be nurtured by mama and like pulls him in. Yeah. Um, Lights his cigarette, gives it back to him, and he gives her his cane. The music begins playing with the crowd noise, and they drink beer together. Yeah, I mean, it is it is what it is. This doesn't last long because there's like a major falling out, I think, not long after he this. He probably so. says, you know, you've been a bitch your whole damn life. Right. <laughs> well, I just mean with Missy. Like, she's yeah. not, she doesn't stick around too long after no, this. No, I, I just think. was saying I was expecting that same promo with Woman oh. about two weeks later. Yeah, probably, pretty much. Oh, you're leaving? Okay, hang on. Let us demean you. Um, all right. Well, yeah, we go from that to match number six. It's the one we were speaking of earlier, JT Smith taking on bu- 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 Bubba Ray Dudley, who is accompanied by the entire Dudley clan. Sign Guy Dudley, Dances with Dudley, and Big Dick Dudley are all here. Is this pre-Devon at this point? Yep, no Devon yet. Devon would actually come in as like an adversary, I think. To That's what I thought. Um, J.T. Smith has convinced himself that he's Italian at this point, and his nickname is actually the Italian Stallion. This is a precursor to what would become the FBI eventually. Oh, okay. 
He's okay. one of the yeah. He's one of the. I was first curious if like for guy. some reason like the other FBI members had gotten hired by WCW for a quick minute, and so he was just doing it by himself or something. <laughs> no, Guido hasn't. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't think Guido's quite come in yet. So okay. once that ha- you know, then it all starts moving forward after that. But the funny thing to me is like we had to show all that shit earlier. Yep. With him, just so that we could have him come out with his head wrapped up here. Yep. <laughs> I know. I don't know. Oh goodness. Um, so yeah, yeah. Also, crowd loves Bubba. The music they use for the Dudleys here fits the beat of the original music they were using because the kid in the front row dances perfectly to the WWE Network music. <laughs> they did that on purpose. Um, Bubba Ray. This is a much different Bubba Ray in the early oh, yeah. 1996. He grabs a microphone and started to stutter in the face of JT Smith. JT would grab the mic away and says he can't wrestle and offered Bubba $100. Yeah. He's like, okay. <laughs> Bubba JT, loves it. Yeah. He's like, all right. Yeah. And then JT hits a low blow and uh, that doesn't really work out too well for him. Yeah. He hits a low blow, takes the money back. Match begins is what my yeah. notes say. And then yep. it says Bubba grabs him, hits a Bubba bomb, and pins him one, two, three. Yep. Okay. And that's pretty much it. But post-match is where we get the, some fun. The crowd chants for Bubba to dance. He's, of course, nervous to do so as Big Dick Dudley's at ringside, and he needs to get his approval first. And uh, Big Dick approves, and Bubba would go to the ring and bust a move. Yes, but by the time he's done dancing, Big Dick is disapproving again and very angry that he let him do it. Well, you know, I mean, listen, Big Dick Dudley doesn't strike me as a guy that probably has much of a a sense of humor. Yeah, if you want Bubba Ray Dudley dancing uh, in a video format, we do have a GIF of it. It's going to be on the network or on our show uh, channel, Show Art. Um, (laughs) It's very, it's it's not bad. Yeah, it's not too bad. Uh, But yes, that takes us to our next match, which is match seven. Yeah, what a match. Oh, jeez. Yeah, it's match seven. Okay. Match number seven, Mr. Hughes versus Sabu. I, I, I was like, excuse me? <laughs> as soon as Mr. Hughes was coming to the ring, I was like, who the hell is he going to fight? And I was like, <laughs> Sabu, because they actually do. I think they actually can use Sabu's music. And uh, yeah, I was just like, oh, my God, Mr. Hughes. It's like, this is just one of those kind of random you it's know, weird. matches. Yeah. Mr. Hughes and his fucking necktie. And Joey calls him. The man Lex Luger was afraid to fight, and the right. man that stole the urn from the Undertaker. I mean that—that's a true statement. It had happened. I mean, it was almost a year before this, but yeah, it happened. Uh, referee Paul Richard has the most insane mullet. As this was the first time they told me what his name was, and I was like, "Oh, that's yeah. that guy." Okay. And Sabu, what? What did you see him getting all hot about something? It looks like something got thrown in the ring, and he like. He gets really he gets throws mad it and, like, back throws at the it crowd. Back. Yeah, like really meanly. So I wondered if someone like whipped a battery at him and he just like uh, whipped it right back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, it's hard to say. But yeah, he was pissed. So thanks. You know, I'm sure Mr. Hughes appreciated that because I guess to deal with Mad Sabu. Yeah. So match gets underway here. Mr. Hughes with like two punches sends Sabu rolling outside. Sabu though backdrops him into the front row. And then it's a triple dive jump into the in, onto Mr. Hughes in the front row of the crowd. Fans are chanting Sabu, Sabu. Hughes catches Sabu's crossbody and runs him into his injured shoulder and cracks him with a pair of chair shots. Then Sabu climbs Hughes and falls into the DDT, but Hughes with a three-point stance clothesline to Sabu, and then we go back outside as the fans are chanting for the table. 
Yeah, Sabu, um, yeah, with poetry emotion in the corner. Uh, Sabu then jumps over the top rope. Hughes moves off of the table, and Sabu crashes through it. So there you go, you bastards. Um, a shoulder breaker from Hughes on to Sabu. Side slam for a two. Dude, that table N- didn't even break, though. It bent. No. And, yeah. like, he just bounced off of it. I was like, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Hughes in full control. We even get the nerve hold, which, of course, the ECW fans are, I'm sure, just loving. It's a um, long nerve hold, too. Yes. Sabu works to his feet, rolls to the outside, grabs a chair. I just love that Sabu's, like, wrestling. Like, most guys, like, work up <laughs> out of a wrist hold and, like, counter. And Sabu just, like, no, okay, he breaks clean and then just goes out of the ring and gets a weapon. It's like, it's like a video game, you know? <laughs> I'm just yeah. going to get a weapon. Yep. Um, he hits he hits Hughes with the chair, went for a second poetry in motion. Um, Hughes, though, catches him and hits a power slam, sidewalk slam then from Mr. Hughes. Sabu with a rope break, which is like, oh, sure, why aren't why wouldn't there be rope breaks? <laughs> uh, head scissor takeover from Sabu. He then hits a hurricanrana that sent Hughes over the top rope to the floor. Uh, Sabu, because he's just nice like that, puts Hughes on the broken table because this couldn't possibly go wrong. And then hits a slingshot leg drop. That was just brutal. Yeah. Yep, right through that fucking table, man. Mr. Hughes has to be like, what the fuck is ECW? <laughs> He's like, I am never coming back here. I'm glad that you picked up, picked up on that early in the match because I didn't pick up on his upsetness until the very end because he just right. gets up and walks off. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Hughes gets up into the ring and is in control of the match right after being put through the table. Um He's in the ring, though, gets rolled up for a two count, another sidewalk slam by Hughes, another leg on the ropes to stop the pin. Sabu rolls out, grabs a chair, <laughs> and Hughes yeah. looks winded in the ring. We get a scoop slam. He places the chair on Sabu and then dives for a splash, but Sabu dodges it. We get a slingshot chair and sidekick by Sabu for the one, two, three, and your winner is Sabu, and Mr. Hughes stands up, walks out right away, and I was just like, that dude does not ha- seem happy to be here. No. No, but I was that match was way better than I expected it to be. <laughs> as far as like a Mr. Hughes match goes, it was just a lot of fun watching him like Ugh. just get beaten up by Sabu in like the in an ECW kind of way. It's a bit sloppy, but yeah, it was it oh, was yeah. interesting for sure. It's it's a Sabu match. It's always sloppy. Um But yeah, anyway, we go he leaves the ring and that's you know, we don't have much time anyway, apparently. It's match number eight. Move pretty quickly. It's the gangsters. Watch your back, it's a hardcore thing. I've almost at this point, and I hate them for this. I've almost become like more used to the New Jack like WWE Network theme <laughs> because In you know because it does play throughout the matches, especially later when he does the single stuff. Yeah. And it, it it's the only song that I can really that I've noticed <laughs> that's consistent with all these shows. Like yeah. he at least always has this same terrible music. In the ghetto. <laughs> 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 it's so goddamn bad. It's but, like how but just pay for it. How much would it literally cost to just use that goddamn song and let it play? Seriously. It, the nice thing is in nineteen ninety six in February, they hadn't figured out the whole gimmick with keeping the music playing, so it just stops True. and yes. we can then just have the match. Man, cause that's nothing. New Jack matches already are kind of a chore, and there's not a whole lot to see anyway. Mm-hmm. And man, when you get to that time in that era when he's like it plays throughout his entire match and you have to listen to this like dubbed music oh it just makes it that much worse but anyway match number eight the gangsters new jack and mustafa taking on sandman and two cold scorpio why because fuck you that's why they like, threw I don't out know. woman that's... remember what's that so they threw out woman they're they're buddies now 
I know, but I just mean like this match at all, and like oh, it being yeah. the main event. Like I don't know, seriously, it's funny. dude. We 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 show up, and the fans are tossing trash and weapons into the ring. New Jack yeah. is carrying a noose, and yeah, there are so many crumpled up soda cans, and I'm just like, no fucking thank you. I am not wrestling if you're throwing oh, in ragged aluminum soda cans. Like you're gonna get sliced the fuck up, man. Well, it's gonna be gross too. It's like beer. I've heard like. Yeah. Falling in beer ringside is awful because it's like you just can't. It's just a sticky, nasty mess. Um, and as far as a sticky, nasty mess goes, that's pretty much what this match is. Um, it's a just a old school ECW schmas. Problem is that they did it better three matches ago yeah. when it was the same thing. It was Tommy and Shane against um, those. Guys. But anyway, so yeah, these guys are brawling. Um, New Jack and Scorpio are on the outside. Uh, Scorpio tossed New Jack to the floor and hits a dive. Um, Snapmare from Mustafa with a toilet seat. I would not let anyone put a toilet seat near my face. Well, I was thinking like, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's like as a weapon, it seems fairly harmless as far as like the way these guys use it. But then at one point they like put it around the neck of the other guy and then go for a scoop slam. And I'm like, dude, that's like dangerous. So you got like a fucking like knife going into the back of your fucking neck when you do a scoop slam yeah like that's gonna hurt us like like shit but uh yeah so like you said it's just kind of nuts going stuff everywhere the guy on hard cam side in the front row that refuses to sit down has a t-shirt reading politically incorrect and damn proud of it and i was like so that's been a thing for at least 24 years Yeah, I'll bet he's fun to talk to. Oh, probably a blast at parties. Uh, so tons of plunder. Sandman coming over the top rope with a Nintendo Entertainment System, and then New <laughs> Jack with a Nintendo right back. So this maybe it was a Super Nintendo earlier because this is the one I was thinking of. Um, chair shot. I just like go ahead. The Sandman, like it's just such a Sandman move. Like, what are you gonna do? Oh, I'm gonna flail my body over the top rope with a Nintendo <laughs> in my hand and see how it works out. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, the chair Nothing shot. Pretty. The nice thing about these chair shots is the this arena only had plastic chairs, so it's nothing too brutal when we're watching these guys. Um, right. But chair shots to head of Sandman. Trash never is stopping, like, raining from the crowd. Just constant people throwing <laughs> shit. Uh, beautiful moonsault by Scorpio for a two count. Sandman has a garbage can for New Jack, and we see that Sandman is bleeding everywhere. Yeah, sure. Why not? And this who knows, is who knows why? pure chaos. Right. Chaos! Uh, Mustafa dropkicks Scorpio off the top rope to the floor. Sandman with a slingshot somersault leg drop. It, that's the name of it. It wasn't that pretty. Uh, Did you Mustafa hear what Joey called a, it? <laughs> what's that? Sandman just stomped on New Jack's head. That was how yeah. Joey called that move. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, it's pretty much what it was. Mustafa with a chair to the head of Scorpio. Sandman now using the toilet seat, hitting New Jack with it. Goes up top, hits that awful Sandman leg drop. And that's how it looks every time he does it. Like that's not, it never gets better. It's just <laughs> kind of how he does a leg drop. Um, so Sandman gets backdropped to the floor by New Jack, and then we just kind of stand around for a minute, like someone's waiting to figure out, like, are we going home or what's the deal? Yeah, New Jack hits Sandman with a frying pan. Scorpio hits the twisted bliss on Mustafa and gets a two count. Mustafa. <laughs> Which- then with a cane for Sandman's head, but in runs Scorpio, sprays hairspray in his face, and pins him one, two, three. What? The weirdest fucking finish. <laughs> Spray paint? <laughs> Why? Oh, New Jack, of course, keeps fighting, though, but then Scorpion's able to run him off. Yeah. 
But goodness, yeah, that was ridiculous. Scorpion it runs him off li- holding like a legitimate walking cane. Like if he hits you, this is going to break a bone. Yeah. Um, we see two cold light Sandman cigarette and it wakes him up. He then pours a beer in his mouth to br- further bring Sandman back to life. It's like the urn. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I kind of I like that, actually. A lot. I did like that, yeah. Too Cold starts a Go Sandman, Go Sandman, Go chant as the Sandman begins dancing. Um, this is, like, I don't know. Again, it's like, you, like it's fun and it's good stuff, but it's yeah. like, it makes the Sandman look like a fucking moron. Though. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> this is supposed to be like, like some big intimidating guy, and Dude. it's like, there's, there may be nobody less intimidating in ECW than the Sandman. Did the Sandman find money or weed in the ring? Because he like stops and very peculiarly <laughs> picks up something and puts it right in his pocket and then goes back to like dancing with his cigarette. I'm going to go weed, probably. <laughs> uh, that, none of these guys had money, but I wouldn't have been surprised if a little bit of weed fell out of somebody's pocket. Uh, I mean, with all the stuff being thrown into the ring, I wondered if that was ah, where he found something yeah. there. Um, That's possible. So yeah, overall, I thought a fairly easy watch, but when compared yeah. to some of the later shows they were produced as far as like the wrestling, this one's not a whole lot of excitement comparatively. Um, right. That 19-minute Nutshot Power Driver match was pretty good, though, and it yeah. it, it wasn't my favorite, but it, uh, compared to everything else, I thought it was pretty decent. No, absolutely. Yeah, no, the show, again, it's fun. If you were a fan of ECW... And you think, you know, you watched all the pay-per-views and stuff, you know, this, you should go back and see this stuff because it's yeah. a lot of the building blocks and them kind of figuring it out, you know, moving away from so much of a blood and guts kind of a thing. And mm-hmm. not that they got rid of it all together, but I mean, you know, you just look at this and you look at pay-per-views in 97 and it's, yeah. you know, it's a damn, it's almost a completely different company. And it just kind of tells you how much, you know, more violent and raunchy things were here in uh, 96, so. Yeah, not a hard show to watch. Um, nothing was awful. It was all kind of entertaining. It was just, you know, the talking stuff in that long segment was just maybe not the best decision. So, Tony, I couldn't find Dave Meltzer's star ratings, but I did find someone that gave star ratings oh, okay. to compare it to. It's uh, from 411 Mania from 2007. Arnold Furious refused, or reviewed this show. Um, so I have his star ratings to compare to yours. So we'll start off with the first match of the night, Taz versus the shark attack kid. What'd you give it? Um, you know, listen, it was a lot of fun watching Taz throw this kid around. I gave this match, uh, one and a half stars, one and a half stars from Tony. Uh, uh, Arnold furious gave this a half a star and said squash exclamation point. Uh, Axel rotten versus and El Porto Requeño versus the Headhunters. Um, you know what? This match was way better than I expected it to be. I gave it three quarters of a star. He gave this a quarter of a star and said it was okay. a total squash that kept going on way longer than necessary. What, what's he got against squashes? He keeps using squash <laughs> as his, his big like defeat of all these matches, apparently. Cactus Jack and Whipwreck versus the Eliminators. Um, I liked this quite a bit. The story was really good. And the action, you know, anytime the Eliminators are in there, it's always going to be good. So I gave this two and a half stars. Two and a half seems fair. Uh, Arnold gave it two and a quarter, so just about there as well. Uh, good match. Raven and Stevie Richards versus Tommy Dreamer and Shane Douglas. Um, again, I liked this a lot. It was almost my match of the night. I gave this three stars. He gave this one two and three quarter stars, so about a half better than the last we are, one. We are eerily close. Okay. Uh, Juventud Guerrera and Rey Mysterio Jr. Match of the night, fun stuff here. Uh, I liked it quite a bit. I gave it three and a half stars. Damn, right on target. Three and a quarter stars for <laughs> Arnold Furious. 
Okay. JT Smith versus Bubba Ray Dudley. Dud, 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 dud. Dud, that's fair. He didn't even give it a dud. He just wrote very silly. <laughs> okay. All right. I, that's not a bad analysis there. Mr. Hughes versus Sabu. Man, I wish I could watch this match like every day. I just, I, the, I'm so surprised a, how much you like this match. Everyone well, hates I mean, this match. Like everybody I've seen hates this fucking match. I just love that Mr. Hughes <laughs> fought Sabu. Like it just cracks me up. And like that it was an ECW style. I gave this match um, one and a half stars. All right, all right. He gave it a dud and just said just a horrible clash of styles. Um, Ugh, I loved it. The Gangsters versus Sandman and Scorpio in the main event. Uh, I gave this match half a star. That's fair. Uh, he gave it a dud and said, Mustafa struggles when wrestling moves come into play. Violent <laughs> crap, as Larry Rivera would say. Um, Man. Yeah. He. This is the his final thoughts. I thought it would. we gave the star ratings, but I thought it would be fair to, to mention his thoughts here. Creatively, it was great, but they just couldn't afford enough wrestlers to put on the shows that Heyman wanted. And he said... As soon as they could get someone, WCW would steal them. Here, Hoovy and Ray were fantastically energetic and had a great change of pace for the show, but Bischoff hired them both. Some of the storyline stuff here was good fun, like woman being removed from the building. Woman being removed from the building. <laughs> Stevie Richards' sexual harassment lawsuit against Missy. Bigelow's debut. Taz fighting with Ray. But there's not much in the way of quality matches. Skip over the last two matches, and I suppose it's not bad of a show. Uh, he said, "Slight thumbs up for a final score of five point five out of ten." Um, yeah, yeah, I probably wouldn't go any higher than that. You know, that does seem like a fair rating. The users of Cage Match a little bit more negative about the show. They gave it a four point two five out of ten with seven votes cast. Uh, but the Lucha Match does get a six point seven one out of ten, making it a Cage Match inmate recommendation match. Now, okay. here's the question for you, Tony. Did you know that we were robbed of a match that I can almost guarantee you would have been one that would have been right on the top of our lips when we were advertising this show? <laughs> What's that? Chris Jericho versus Rob Van Dam in an 11-minute match was supposedly apparently cut out of the show. Yeah, because it's funny you say that because the info for the show on the network says that it features a rare classic between Chris Jericho really? and Rob Van Dam. What the hell? So then when I was watching it and I was like, well, where's that Chris Jericho Rob Van Dam match? Yeah. So yeah, I, I can't imagine or understand why that would be cut. I, I have no blows idea. Blows my mind. Because yeah, if you go to the network, it's literally in the description of the show. I, I wish I would have read it because I would have been even more upset because... <laughs> yeah! The damn network promotes that it's there and then the Ugh. match just doesn't happen. And yeah, that probably would have been the best match on the show. The one that I'm not as furious about also having removed from the show a second tag match with the Pitbulls beating the Headhunters. Oh, no. I'm glad we didn't have to watch well, that. I would have rather seen that match, though, instead of watching the Headhunters fight the yeah. you know, Axel Rotten. And the guy. But I think it originally would have been both. Um, yeah. So here's some quick reviews here. Der Hitman, as obvious, this is from German, uh, gave it a four. And in 2017, he wrote, the tag title match is solid. It is about the story, okay? Raven Richards against Dreamer and Douglas is also solid. Then the two Mexicans come and show a really good match. The problem of the show is, afterwards, there is no good match more. The shows are different <laughs> from the competition, but not better. <laughs> no, more, no good match more. Um, in English, the old school wrote in 2018, he gave it a 4.0 out of 10. 
and said, pretty bad supercard. Few good matches and many terrible ones. Match with headhunters is a good example of how a squash can be boring. Tag <laughs> titles match is pretty good due to very interesting story. Next tag team is enjoyable, too, even with very long and overbooked ending. Mysterio versus Guerrera is great, but too short. I would rather watch more of this match than what happened next. Bubba True. Ray versus some no-name is useless. Not even a match how itself. I know. How dare him to JT Smith. Uh, but not even a match itself, but a dumb segment afterwards. Sabu versus Hughes is very boring. Main event isn't good, and I believe it has no storyline that could make it a little interesting. Show also features long segment with just everybody talking. Very annoying <laughs> yeah. stuff. End quote. Right. Okay. You know, you're not wrong. <laughs> ECW, Paulie loves the promo thing, too, because the, the, the TV episodes always had the the Pulp Fiction segment is what they'd call it. Oh, okay. It's, it's where they'd play the, uh, you know, you know, that in the fucking, like, song. <laughs> you know, you know, whatever, I don't know. Anyway, but they would play that underneath, like, just a string of promos. Like, everybody just, like, cutting their promo up or whatever. Gotcha, gotcha. So, yeah. So, yeah, so that's a look at ECW's Big Apple Blizzard Blast, the Smashle in the Big Apple, Smapple in the Big Apple, uh, taking place from 1996. Those are our thoughts. Those are some other people's thoughts. Hey, everybody. Just wanted to step in and explain what you're about to hear. Originally, I planned to discuss the actual current affair uh, uh, package that was put together by the guys that were at ringside during tonight's review. But I completely forgot about it by the time we got through the review. So, so what happened was I'd actually asked Tony to watch it. He forgot to. And so he ended up watching it while I was in the pre-show time before we actually got into doing the show. And so here are Tony's live thoughts and reactions to this current affair ECW package from 1996. Enjoy. From beauties to the beasts of so-called professional wrestling. You've seen their act before, so, hulking bodies. So-called professional wrestling. Fights. But a new federation is getting into the ring, Who's and its performers seem to think that audiences hair, want still more violence. Coat, cricket tie, motherfucker. all of their performance seems to be an act, we should make you aware of the video we're about to show 20 you. 20 minutes? Oh, never mind. Here's Leslie Roberts. Thanks for the live comments on this thing. He's probably not even recording. It's violence uh, packaged as entertainment. There's no more sport to this than, uh, you know, uh, a a Rambo movie. This guy. But the wilder it gets, the more fans it attracts. And now this upstart league is taking the pro wrestling world by storm. ECW is a blend of extreme wrestling, barbed wire, blood, and and the greatest scientific athletic mat wrestling in the sport. Scientific? Is that what you call fans giving wrestlers everything? Oh, this piece of shit. Their opponents out. <laughs> oh, why'd they talk? Who let Missy talk? Damn it, Paul. And, it, and that has to be kept in mind. 
but obviously they're making the fake violence to look as realistic as possible. Bob Peters, the president of Morality and Media, oh. says that extreme championship wrestling His interview isn't even shot well. violence to a new level. It's this like, dude, they barely used any of the footage that they shot at that show. Well, that is the frustrating thing about TV news. Not that, you know, not to that's this level, maybe, but almost daily I shoot way more video than I well, can yeah. use. Well, like, those guys hung out the entire show. And they I also wonder how much of it was like, like promo videos. Yeah, I wonder how much it was like standards and practices stuff, though. They are making the big boys take notice. Bill Alfonso saying he hates current affairs. Is a junior high school teacher during the week, but even he admits these events are too violent for children. He says his former league, the WWF, caters to the kids, and that's why he left. Why don't you just play Shane? Be- oh, here we go. Here, the top guy there is there. You got to sell baby dolls. Here, I'm trying to entertain these people. I'm trying to give them. Trying to entertain these Neanderthals. And then they're also using stock so far, footage. The Rebel League has managed to stun the opposition with their over-the-top tactics. I can't believe they showed the, the Francine panty pile driver. They didn't show this from the other side, I guess, but still. Extreme wrestling will be a winner with the fans. Oh, that was a good clip. <laughs> Clearly, small children oh, this fucking guy again ruining my phone. Wait till the very end. No, I don't want to. You have to. Damn it. I've seen better wrestling in high school and better acting in grade school. What the fuck, man? <laughs> that fucking piece of shit anchor. Like, I have, like, I have the full audio to put at the very end of the show if people want to listen yeah. to it. No, I don't want to hear it. I do have the audio from the anchor introducing and ending it for us to discuss during the show. So, <laughs> Good God, man. <laughs> It's pretty much a basic rundown of what you need to hear about that show. If you want to watch it, go ahead and watch it. If you don't want to, you're not missing out too much. <laughs> wow. Like, I mean, as far as, like, history and stuff, you might, I mean, you can watch the yeah. Rey Mysterio match, but other than that, um, you could see other things better on other ECW shows. So, our show continues on, though, Tony. We continue on, we move forward, and we don't look back. Where are we headed from here, do you know? Well, DP, we are moving into the year 2000. And, uh. No. What? I thought you said we were doing Super Brawl. From 1997. Oh, yeah, that's right. (laughs) But, yes, Super Brawl from 1997 is where we're headed. From San Francisco, California, in the Cow Palace. The start of two straight, and then they would do a third after they went to the Oakland Arena once. But yeah, they features, were in the Cow Palace in 2000 as well, I can tell you. Yes. Uh, they, it features Hollywood Hulk Hogan, the champion, battling Rowdy Roddy Piper for the WCW Heavyweight Championship, Tony. Yeah, and we are in you know, full NWO power at this point, too. This is early 97. You know, the NWO formed in the summer of 96. So, And this has one of the best posters. Go check out the poster for this one. It's a giant Lex Luger giving a torture rack to someone with a terrible-looking version of the uh, the fucking Golden Gate Bridge in the background. There you go. So, yeah. So, that's where we're heading next week. In the meantime, if you want to keep up with us, the place to do it is either on Facebook or Twitter. On Facebook, just search for the name of the podcast. On Twitter, we're at GrappleCast. Or if you'd like to follow me, I'm at Deadpool1205. 
You can follow me, Tony G, at BeyondSanity19. And we'll catch you next week for Super Brawl 7 from two th- or 1997. God damn it, Tony, they're 2000. <laughs> right. That's awesome. That's awesome that I got you to say the wrong year. All right. Are you going to talk much about anything from SmackDown? Because I didn't see any SmackDown. <laughs> I will. Probably not. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Like I said, I'm going to try to not dwell too long. Well, I didn't know if you were really wanting to comment on the Otis thing, because I didn't know that it happened. Oh, you, well, listen, it'll take 30 seconds, and I'm not happy about it. So, yeah, we'll, I'll, <laughs> it, it'll, it'll be quick. All right, all right, all right. So go ahead. You can start and just lead us through. I'll just I'll keep my shit up if I want to look at for notes. Okay. Well, yeah, like I said, jump in here anytime you want. Well, listen, I mean, off the top here, we got to talk about something that I've certainly talked at length about, and you have as well, not in your displeasure, with the Nightmare Collective. Um, you had mentioned that you saw, like, that AEW Dark match, and, like, they yeah. beat Kong up, and it was kind of like, well, what it, the hell is that all about? I was there live, yeah. yeah and they literally, like, <laughs> that same week, I think, produced and aired that therapist interview, right? Mm-hmm. Wasn't that yeah. on the same TV? Yep. <laughs> so, like, bing, bang, boom. Like, I mean... Anyway, and Brandy told um, Observer Radio that, you know, she didn't like the way it was progressing. And, you know, they were obviously hearing from the fans as well that they didn't necessarily love it. Yeah. This is, it's good to see. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's the right thing to do to some degree. I would have liked to have maybe just seen it through to something. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> instead of just dropping it, like well, have a blow off, which I guess they yeah. kind of did. Like, but I, now, but now you're still gonna have Mel and Luther kind of awkwardly hanging around. Well, so Luther know. seems to have at least something going on now with his right. like dark program. But um, <laughs> no, you're not. You're not wrong. It is like they did just drop it out of nowhere. But at least it yeah. does. You know, if you go and watch all the videos they posted on their YouTube, like if you really want to mm-hmm. dig, they oh, gave sure. you a little bit of a story and at least a little sure. bit of an ending. But like you said, it isn't much of an actual ending as far as like a wrestling angle. Because well, and, one wrestler can't go, the other one isn't really a wrestler, and uh, it's well, like, well, and, let's just cut, and cut also, and end it. And also, just, I think they realized, you know, let's throw everything at this Cody MJF thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. And bringing his wife into the fold, obviously, is a big emotional pull. Especially when it's been established that she's been, like, a big emotional pull for, like, all of his yes. big matches so far. Like, Right. But I just wish... For story purposes, maybe we had seen him <laughs> without it once, you know. Gotcha. And then it's a big moment when she comes back, and there's like a Liz Randy WrestleMania Seven reunion <laughs> kind of thing going on, and she gets over being crazy or something. I don't know. It's fine. Like I appreciate yeah. them not dragging something into the dirt. And I want all you AEW hardcore faithfuls to remember this the next time the WWE does something similar. Okay. So. Just, just be consistent. I know you don't watch Dark, and we don't normally comment on Dark, and I know we're trying to do right. this quick, but did you see the fucking Riho match on Dark this week? Oh, uh, against Yakasaki? Uh, yeah, like some some that other one. new, like... Oh, Japanese it was another chick. one, wasn't it? Oh, okay. It's not, not Yuka. Uh, I did not see the match on Dark. It's, like, possibly the best women's match they've had. And okay. It's really damn good. Um, and it's just a bummer because like she had that match and then she went and lost to Nyla the next week. But it was like, oh, okay. But um, anyways, yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess while we're talking about it, I'll just talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Uh, you know that you know, she lost to Nyla Rose. Mm-hmm. Um, I I, I, gave the, the I watched the match a second time. I watched the match a second time and with try to be a little more accepting <laughs> of things. And okay. 
I liked it more the second time I watched it. Um, so I, I enjoyed it. It just it, they're both just a little bit green and awkward, and it just tends to flare up at bad moments in the matches. You know what I mean? That <clears throat> just kind of tends to take me out of something. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like they just when they have their stumbles, they just tend to have them at bad times for me. You know, Definitely. whatever. I can understand but what, that. But what I wanted to mention about that is that you know everybody today that listens in on the Cody Rhodes conference call was <laughs> on tweeting about it. So oh, okay. I, <laughs> I didn't but. He meant, you know, the women's thing. He mentioned that, you know, they're trying to do things organically. Um, he even went as far as to say, like, you know, we're not trying to, you know, rush this for, you know, woke points or something like that was kind of how oh, he put okay. it. Like, they, he was kind of insinuating that other people are trying to kind of cram it down your throat for the, you know, the woke credibility, mm-hmm. whereas they're not, you know, they're trying not to do that, I guess. So I, don't I can know. understand it's, that. Well, and of course, you know, the people that are, criticizing them are going to be saying that very right. thing. So he's probably well, heard that a lot recently. Oh yeah. Well, cause listen, I mean, NXT has like three women's matches a week, yeah. you know, pretty much consistently, at least three women's, you know what I mean? And I'm not saying these be a race or a competition, yeah. but there's weeks that AEW, like, didn't they, I mean, they didn't even have a match recently. I feel like a women's yeah, match of any kind. On the there, yeah. I can't remember when that was, but I, yeah, there was. Yeah, so again, but sure. it's not the end of the world, but I'm just saying, you know, like, they, they're aware, and I feel like that's good to know that they're working on it. Uh, again, AEW News, uh, Jeff Cobb has come. Yeah. Kind of. Here's another interesting bit from the Cody conference call. Like, Cody almost made it sound like Cobb wasn't all in. You know, like oh, it really? was... I think it, 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 it kind of seemed like maybe he's made a short-term commitment to them, but they want to make it, you know, a long-term thing. Yeah. And, Cobb's maybe not quite ready to make that which is smart like if you have a one-year contract play it out yeah. and see what you think about this place and in a year they're still gonna well, want to pay you for four years or whatever it might the question be. Is, is is you know if Cody's talking about maybe not a long term is it even a year at this point then like is this mm. just like a few months to, right. between his next yeah. big well, contract that he wants to do depending on I, where I, it comes from I'm sure this is out there somewhere but I don't know what his situation is because he's still doing ring of honor dates now maybe oh, okay. that's gonna end at some point because like i said he's still doing supercard of honor with him and dan moff as a mm-hmm. tag team against kenta and taja ishimori gotcha so you know i don't know we'll see but it was exciting to see him he's the hired gun for the inner circle they grow mm-hmm. bigger and uh you know good for him um another guy that's really been hot i think in the last few weeks and it's never good for someone to get injured but andrade uh stepping stage left couldn't have happened at a better time for angel garza who mm-hmm. i think is Dude, he's been awesome. He is off the charts, I think, with the potential there. <laughs> I've really enjoyed like that whole part of the show as of recently. Him and Zelina, yeah. I think, are also maybe a better duo than Zelina and Andrade, if I'm being honest. Yeah, yeah I can see that. He's just, my God, he's dripping with charisma. Like, he is. <laughs> you don't want to go crazy. He's also brand new, though. It. So it's like, you don't want to, like,. Go overboard with things like I don't know. I, some of this might wear on me, and I might get really sick of him. But at this point, it seems like it's just very entertaining. It's very new. It's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, he hasn't. I mean, you know, again, it's almost ridiculous. He has an Eddie Guerrero quality to him. Okay, you know, I can like see I that. just, that, I just the, the way he fires up and the way he kind of like emotes and like it's just, mm-hmm. it's great. And my, I bring him up basically to say, get him the hell off of NXT. <laughs> Because it's screwing with things. He is yeah. like a top heel on Raw almost at this point. Like he keeps breaking people's necks on concrete. <laughs> Nobody likes that. Um, and then he's on NXT, you know, and he's 
trying to take his pants off. The full sail crowd, of course, loves him and he's getting yeah. cheered like a big hero. And I just think it's kind of conflicting. I think, I you know, it. I just think it's kind of, it's conflicting with what he's trying to accomplish at this point. Absolutely. Absolutely. I yeah, know it's probably a good idea because it is, it, but it also is very clear that like some of this stuff, it, like at least the way that it sounded when I was heard the report of someone was talking about the triple H call and they were saying that like, he specifically mentioned that Charlotte is not a, his project thing. Like it's a Vince project. Oh. And, and so <laughs> like him spe- specifying that. And then I start looking at every other time that NXT guys are just like randomly on the show. Like, mm-hmm. is he just like, no, he's my baby face character and I'm not yeah. <laughs> turning yeah. on this. Yeah. <laughs> Vince, yeah, that's nice, Hunter. I don't care about your little sandbox over there. This is the big, this is the big times, kid. This isn't Orlando. Um, Will Ospreay beat Zack Saber Jr. on Valentine's Day, DP, for the British Heavyweight Championship, and has declared himself officially a heavyweight. Oh damn! Okay. So, so this means one thing: by next year, he will be working with an American company full time on television. <laughs> Seems to be the case, but we'll see. We'll see. Never- Never goes well. I mean, it's interesting because, you know, he's doing that, but I, I don't remember, like, Shingo fully declaring that he wouldn't. Like, I thought he fully declared that he was like, I'm going to keep fighting, like, both. Like, I want to fight, the, like, a, a while back, but I don't know if that's okay. changed at this point. Right. But it's just interesting that, like, Will Ospreay would be like, no, nah, I'm, I'm above that shit now. I'm not going to fight you little guys anymore. But well, listen, like, you may right. have said it right there. How It wouldn't be outrageous, let's say, in three years. To see a main event at Wrestle Kingdom, that's Shingo Tatagi versus Will Ospreay for the IWGP Championship. I mean, I it would be a really good match. <laughs> <laughs> like maybe three is too uh, too short term with the way they book things. But yeah. I just I think those two guys might be the best two of the, the two best wrestlers in the world, perhaps. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they if they would ever figure out a way to get that Never title over, like that, maybe they could have a fight for that one, or maybe the mm-hmm. Intercontinental title, maybe. But it's just like, like you were saying, with the way that they book, it's it's tough to see two new people show up that quickly in the top. Right. Yeah, they're like, no, Nakanishi will be main eventing <laughs> Wrestle Kingdom next year. I guess you guys didn't know this that. This is retirement tour. What are you talking about? We're taking things back to Anokiism. Um, Timothy monster. Thatcher, you got to love Timothy Thatcher. He's the man. He hates social media. He posted one tweet, and he says it'll be his final tweet, but he did make his, hi, I'm Timothy Thatcher at uh, TakeOver appearance, and <laughs> he posted that picture, and now that'll probably be the last time he ever tweets. So. Nice. Man is a treasure. I can't wait to see him in the ring. Uh, I think he's going to really impress a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, people talking shit about Shelton Benjamin signing a new contract. First of all, why, why can't people just stay the fuck out of wrestlers' like business? You know, <laughs> If they aren't putting it online, then stay out of it, You know, is how I say it. I bet okay. he didn't talk about this, but anyway... So they're like, oh, but they're wasting you. What do you think Shelton Benjamin is going to go do? You think he wants to yeah. go to all, back to all Japan and work, you know, hard dates, you know, long tours? No. You, you think he want you know, AEW is not going to bring him in. Probably you not. Know, everybody, everybody's got to stop thinking that, too. Yeah. The last thing AEW wants is to start just bringing in WWE cast-offs. You know? For sure. So this is what's best for him, and he's probably going to end up being a coach. Because he's maybe one of the best technicians of all time <laughs> that just didn't have enough charisma to get himself over. But, so I mean, you got to be thinking like as well. It's also for a lot of these guys. It's just a second chance to get you know get a contract because there's this threat. So they're signing everybody yeah. up again. Get a contract. Get some more money and like not even have to work nearly as hard. Like you get to work a right. lot less days. Yeah. Like, yeah, do th- you think Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder 
are even are complaining about one thing backstage. No, they're probably really excited because they know when they turn 50, they won't look like all the other 50 year old guys. <laughs> yeah, and then they'll have around. a 12, 10 to 15 good years on the indies where they can make top dollar as a draw. I saw um, Christopher anyway. Daniels try to run to the ring last this week. It's <laughs> It's scary. Exactly. Don't look at him like that. You shouldn't scare yourself <laughs> like that. Um, I mean, I guess we should talk about the big elephant in the room. What's that? There's a lot. There's a lot to untangle here. We'll probably wrap things up. Well, there'll be one more thing after this. But <laughs> Rand, Randy Orton just killed Matt Hardy. Yeah. I mean, and, and then we'll just go ahead and talk about what happened on this most recent RAW because we were doing this about a week, you know, a couple yeah. days late. He killed Matt Hardy again, <laughs> and I just. The thing that the thing that kind of made me a little angry about it, and Matt cut a hell of a promo, so I'm kind of glad that it did yeah. happen. But after last week, I felt like that was the Matt Hardy send off. You know what I mean? Like he had, mm-hmm. he went out there and he stood his ground and he told Randy what he thought about it, and he got his ass kicked for his troubles, and he got destroyed. Yes. And everyone was like, "Thank you, Matt." You know, he's kind of tweeting like, "Well, you know, the journey." But and then they're like, "Fuck you, Matt Hardy. You're gonna walk out here in it's- a neck brace." And Randy Orton is going to do it to you again. How dare you try to it's, call your final night in our company? It is that, so. I mean, it feels like they're. It feels like a petty move on their part. It's it's the same thing they did to Dean Ambrose. They exactly. gave him a big send off, exactly right. and then yeah. he came back the next week and he got beat right. again. <laughs> he got beaten up by like Drew McIntyre. Remember that? Like Drew McIntyre beat Dean Ambrose like out of the yeah. company. Yeah. Like it's just it's so weird that they're just like that obvious about doing the exact same thing again to the next guy that's possibly leaving and at least has some hype about going to AEW. Right. But with all that said, <laughs> it's been great TV both weeks. Yeah. Randy it is, is. It's good you TV, don't man. Shake your it's head over so there. Dr- like it is twenty minutes each time. Like yeah, man. Give it, make Dude. it fifteen. Just 15. yeah. Like drag it out, but don't drag it. Quite so much. Like right. they're, they're, an Apollo no Cruise one match comes out on to here? help. No, no, I don't want another match on Raw. But I just like <laughs> there's. I just can't believe that no one would come out to help or do right. anything about no, this well, happening. Yeah, we Twice. can also talk about that. Uh, I love that Brian Alvarez was like at the show live tweeting, and he even tweeted. He took a picture in the ring when like Kevin Owens and that whole clan was in there, mm. and he was just like, "Where were all these baby faces when Matt Hardy was getting his ass kicked?" <laughs> yes. It's like, man, maybe Matt Hardy's unliked. Maybe they should t- start to like turn the storyline into like <laughs> everybody knows he's going to AEW, so they're all like, "Fuck Matt Hardy." Yeah, maybe they could do that. There we go. But anyway, it, dude, I know it seems long and drawn out, but when it happens, when that Edge music hits, everybody's gonna poop their pants all over again, like it's the Royal Rumble. <laughs> you're right. You're right. For sure. <laughs> uh, and then lastly, because Jesus, I mean, how do we? Do- Shayna Baszler. Oh God! Yeah, bit Becky Lynch and Drew Blood, and the WWE was just kind of like, yeah. I mean, like <laughs> the explanation has been less than stellar. Yeah, this it was recently on Monday Night Raw. She just cut like a Titantron promo, and you know Becky is not scared of anything. You know the Becky gimmick and stuff. Yeah, and yeah. It was. I mean, it was, they kind of brought. I don't know. It was just she bit her in Drew Blood. Yeah. I mean, like you, that is so, you have to follow up on that. <laughs> You know? I just I loved how quickly like it, it is amazing to me how many people jumped on the vampire thing and like how quickly they were like it's not a vampire thing. <laughs> yeah. They're going to try to cash in on that Morbius movie that's coming out and like, Shayna Baszler is going to have a Morbius gimmick. They 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 very quickly denied she was a vampire, but then like people <laughs> were very much like out there telling you that that she was not a vampire. 
But then, like you said, there was then just not much after that. It just it happened and we moved on. Yeah, it's weird. Um, but it is it's one of those things where it's just like WWE it, it, with Vince McMahon specifically. You know, we're not gonna be that blood and guts bullshit. We're not gonna do all that. Like, and then immediately, as soon as he gets a chance, he throws two giant blood packets in fucking her mouth, and she bites down. Like, it was just like, what is going on? Like, it was so much everywhere as well. <laughs> he was like, Vince was like, how can we solidify that we will be the number one most shocking debut <laughs> on every what culture and cultaholic video for the rest of time. Oh gosh. We'll have Shayna Baszler draw blood. The back of the neck is such a weird fucking decision of a, of a location well, to go they after were also, that. Well, cause you also probably don't want it to be sexual at all. You want to try to make it as like, un yeah, like yeah. as silly as that might sound. Like I'm telling you right now that <laughs> came up when they were discussing how this was going to happen. Like, we don't want it to look like they're making out. We don't want it to, you know, I'm telling you right now, man, they had to have that discussion when they were drawing this wrong. thing up because that's the way television works. No, because I remember even like when Dean Ambrose started biting uh, fucking Juice's eyebrow that first time, like at first it start, you know, when it first happens, it's like, it looks like he's starting to like kiss his eye. It's like, what's going on here? It's <laughs> very but There's it just like, it, it, yeah, goodness. That was, it was a shocking uh, part of Raw, but it was just for me too much <laughs> like yeah, you were talking about last week the whipping being too right, much like, that, right, that was, exactly. like this is just too much well no yeah because it's like how do you come back from this i mean they did it already and like i said they, it was not really uh enough in my opinion yeah <laughs> but no we'll we'll see what happens She's got so, a band-aid yeah. on her back for neck yeah we're on the road to well super showdown kind of wrestlemania oh, goodness yeah so. all right i'll save that Bailey's gonna. You himself. never gave your opinion on Otis. What was your thirty-second opinion? <laughs> oh well, the damn Otis segment this week. They just did a repeat of like when the cake got dropped. So like, <laughs> Mandy Rose is at the restaurant, sitting there yeah. looking nice, waiting on Otis, and Dolph Ziggler walks into the restaurant and is like standing next to her. And I think he eventually sits down. And he's like talking to her, and she's like not really into it. But she also doesn't really like say get the hell out of here. I mean, I yeah. will say that. Um, but then here comes poor fucking Otis that had <laughs> weeks of montages of him getting ready for this. Yeah. He's got his flowers in hand. I think he even had like maybe a hat, like a top hat. And he walks in and he sees Dolph Ziggler sitting at the table with Mandy Rose. And he gets a real sad look on his face. And he throws the flowers down and he turns around <laughs> and he walks out of the restaurant. Oh, I mean, why it- couldn't he just go on a date with her? And then literally, this is wrestling. Never address it again. I don't care. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, you don't like they don't have to get married. Yeah. There doesn't have to be like some big ugly breakup. No. Like it can just be like he did it. You know, like he shot his shot. Yeah. She said yes. He went on a Valentine's Day with Mandy Rose. Way to go, Otis. Let's all move on. I just I it was funny because Friday night I wasn't watching SmackDown, but all of a sudden like I was on Twitter for something and like I refreshed and it was just everyone being like of course, Vince McMahon has the the poor guy yeah. just have his heart broken. Like, of course, that's where this is going. Like, why did we not already know that that's where this was going? I just I just envisioned Vince McMahon amongst all the like the crew right there backstage, just laughing his ass off at that segment. <laughs> like, it's the funniest thing he's ever seen, and him being the only one laughing. You're probably not wrong at that. You're probably not wrong. Oh goodness. 
You know what I've learned in the last couple months from you, woman? <laughs> You've been a bitch your whole damn life. Honey, I knew that you were the better tag team. You got the brain ass to get it, and then you know what I mean? Are you here? Did you change your mind? Are you gonna come with me? Because I ain't with my best friend. 911 is not here right now. So you shouldn't be talking about her. You had to give Beulah her pills one a day. You couldn't handle that? I've seen better wrestling in high school and better acting in grade school. <laughs> Sandman, all I can say is, this bitch is out of here. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday... That's right, Hulk. You can listen to the Golden Age of Grappling podcast any day of the week, but if you're looking for new episodes, you can check out our website, goldenagepodcast.com, or look for us on iTunes. New episodes releasing every Sunday night. Friday, Saturday, Sunday comes again.